da. Let me just bring my Turkish Grand Prix. Pre-prod. <clears throat> da da da. <clears throat> oh man. I gotta edit, edit this out for sure. Alright guys. Welcome back to the West End Joy Show. I am your co-host, uh, Joy. Uh, and along with me is my other co-host, Wes. Yo, what's going on, Wes and Joy Show Nation? Hey, how are you doing today, man? You know, I'm good. I'm good, you know. We have a new president. We have a lot of good things going on. You know, I got nothing to complain about today, Joy. All right, all right, that's good, that's good. Uh... How's your week been for um, for the team? You know, formula. Are you referring to formula? Yes. Oh, uh, you know what? We're actually doing pretty good. Um, you know, I, I don't want to release uh, too much, but right now we are just um, doing the design phase of our uh, 2021 uh, spec vehicle. And um, it's pretty interesting what all our departments are coming up with. And... Um, you know, we're shaping up to a uh, strong winter when we start putting it all together physically. And uh, hopefully come springtime, we uh, bring home that uh, top spot, that P1, baby. Hey, man, I, I can't wait to see the, the finished production uh, production for that. Uh, but yeah, uh, anyway, um, watching like pretty much listening to the first episode that we posted, um, I wasn't able to pretty much introduce myself. Um, I'm pretty much just like a fan, a huge fan of Formula One. I've been watching Formula One since 2015. Uh, the very first race I finished was um, Austin, right? It's the U.S. Grand Prix 2015. This was the race where, you know, pretty much the Hamilton and Rosberg battle was, you could say, at its peak. Uh, it already peaked a couple races before, but this was kind of the, the main... Um, it was a title clencher for um, Lewis Hamilton, and that's off of a Rosberg huge mistake. Uh, I think people know it as like that post um, post waiting room where Hamilton throws the the hat to Rosberg and then Rosberg throws it back. That that was the first race I've ever watched. Uh, fun oh, fact, wow. yeah. So yeah, fun fact about that is um, back then the U.S. didn't actually put up live um, races. So you would ha actually have to wait until 2 or 3 o'clock p.m. until, like, I think it was Fox that would um, broadcast. But it would have been done by then. So for me, I actually had to wake up early in the morning and watch it in a Spanish uh, channel. So, yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of U.S. fans that could relate. Um, but, yeah, that, that was those were some, some good times. Uh, I didn't really understand what was going on but like just following the racing it, like it, it was easy to to pick up what what was happening so yeah anyway Wes uh were you um you wanted to reintroduce yourselves right uh there was some you know, we wanted to clear things up and especially you know after the first episode and so maybe these will clear things up uh sure and uh actually before I get into that um if I may, could I actually talk about how um, I got exposed to F1? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my 
exposure to F1 has really been in spots. Uh, so, of course, you know, when I was actually a little kid, so mid to late 2000s, um, I used to try and follow every single sport I could. And when I came across Formula One, uh, they made a big deal of this guy named Michael Schumacher. <laughs> right? And I didn't think anything of it other than, you know, he was the best. Because that's what the highlights um, portrayed. And um, at the time, you know, when you're like, what, nine, ten years old, you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. And uh, living in America, you're like, ah, well, the sport I'm already playing is more interesting than that. And, um, you know, after Michael Schumacher was no longer in my line of sight, you know, I didn't really follow Formula One too much throughout my early teens. And then, um, you know, so like the early or late 2000s, early 2010s, uh, there were two, uh, I guess, concepts of the sport that were all of a sudden being marketed. Um, and that was uh, this, these silver and red cars uh, for McLaren. And I knew McLaren made regular cars, but I didn't know they had a Formula way, racing team. And their poster boy, some guy named Lewis Hamilton. And little did I know that that name would actually mean a lot to me few, uh, a few years down the line. So again just following Formula One or hearing a Formula One in spots. We fast forward until 2018. And, you know, Joy, I'm really thankful for you for this, for actually um, telling me more about the sport and, you know, motivating me to actually take the time and watch it. So, you know, I 2018, I just graduated uh, from my university for bachelor's degree. And I'm watching... Uh, Again, these silver cars, but they're not, it's not McLaren, it's Mercedes. And I didn't know that Mer Mercedes-Benz had its own team at the time. And lo and behold, their number one guy is Lewis Hamilton. So Lewis Hamilton finds a way to be back in my life again. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, turned, I guess you can say that I came back to watching Lewis at the right time, right? Because, you know, Mercedes was already at the pinnacle. Right. And all I could understand was that, okay... Um, it's not like NASCAR, where cars are driving around in complete circles or ovals. Um, there's a lot of technically, technicalities excuse me, that go on. And, uh, but no matter what, no matter how highly advanced all the technologies are, like DRS and um, you know, strats and ERSs, and I didn't even know that the cars were hybrid. All, all I know is that Lewis Hamilton was putting on a show right. uh, week in and week out. And, you know, over the next two seasons, I've started to fully understand the sport, appreciate the sport to the point where I'm putting the sport ahead of the sports that I grew up with. Right. Sorry, baseball and basketball. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Lewis Hamilton has somehow found a way or deservedly so found a way in my Mount Rushmore of athletes. So uh, I guess you can say I started out with Ferrari and then transition over to McLaren, both in casual roles. And then now it's all about um, Lewis Hamilton. And I guess for right now, Mercedes, I then learned also that, you know, F1 can be very volatile, that your who you represent can change in a matter of seconds. Right, right. right. Or rather quickly, I shouldn't go as far as saying seconds. But um, yeah, ever since then, I've been following the sport. Um, been watching all the action, uh, been familiar with um, the drivers, especially uh, on the last two years that are on the grid. 
Um, sad to see some go. Sad, uh, excited to see some new talent come in. Uh, and watching all the drama and the politics of it, it just gets me going, man. Right. And um, I'm glad. Again, I'm thankful for you for getting me um, into the sport. Yeah, I'm and glad. It also led to. Sorry, I'm sorry, but it also led to opportunities that I'm actually going through right, right. now. So yes, thank you, Joy. Thank you, F1. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I gl- I'm glad that you brought up that uh, point that now there's a new generation of Formula One drivers coming in. And so it, it feels like, um, you know, I'm going through just my second generation of Formula One itself. Um, maybe you know, since you brought up, you know, Schumacher's era, maybe you are kind of more experiencing that third generation, that third wave of generation coming into Formula One. But yeah. Uh, sure. And uh, yeah. yeah, let's do some housekeeping. Yes, housekeeping. So, um, uh, as you know, my name is Wes, um, and I did want to clear up a couple things from the last episode. Um, uh, the first thing was uh, my job in motorsport. Um, so, I'll be honest with each and every one of you. Um, so, what I actually do is in my personal life outside of this podcast and uh, being a Formula One fan, I do consulting. But in my educational part of my life, I am currently studying a master's degree in sports management. So that's where the management part comes up. And on the side, I am part of the formula student team. Now, you you all may have heard uh, Joy say something along the lines of me managing the team. That is completely false. Um, I am part of a department within the team, but I don't make management or decisions per se. Now, of course, do I want to manage a sports entity in the future? Yes, that is why I am pursuing this degree. But uh, just to make things clear, I, I'm just a general member um, of the team uh, right now. Maybe in the future that could lead to leadership, but for now I'm just a uh, assistant to our team lead. And uh, so far, you know, it's been a wonderful experience working with, uh, with them. Uh, the second thing I do want to clear up is where we're actually from. <laughs> so in the last episode, we talked about Mercedes and uh, their awareness and my uh, defense to uh, Joy's argument of them being the best dominant team in all of sports was that uh, I mistakenly said that I don't think Mercedes is known in our home country, the Philippines. Now, there is a bit of falsehood to that. So we are Filipino. That part is true. But we are actually based in the United States, um, in Chicago, Illinois, to be exact. So Shy City, what up? Um, of course, uh, fun fact, one of us was uh, raised in the Philippines. And I guess for a later episode, we can have you all try and take a guess on who that is, whether it's me or Joy. But um, we are... <laughs> the, the accent might come up. <laughs> we are both American-born guys. We are based in America. But... You know, we are proud enough to call Philippines home every now and then to visit some of our family members there. So, mabuhay uh, Filipinas and God bless America. Hey, I mean, <laughs> and yeah. the last, yes, go ahead, Joy. Yeah, I, I also wanted to apologize to you and our our um, our listeners. Uh, you know, I, I did make that mistake that um, calling you like a, a manager of the team. You know, I kind of just maybe I was just thinking about like, your you are. Um, getting your master's in sports management and i kind of tied that up to the to the team and so yeah i definitely want to 
apologize to you and the the listeners. Oh, for sure. Apology accepted. And I want to apologize to you and the listeners too for misleading uh, some of the information. I'll be better about uh, being more clear, being more specific in the future. And uh, hey, uh, you might not be fully correct about management on me today, but you might not be wrong tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, um, you know, apology accepted. I hope uh, you all can apologize, uh, accept our apologies rather. I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, yeah, and the third thing. Um, I do want to clear up is uh, talking about Williams. So in the last episode, we talked about how um, a move to Renault is a possibility. Once again, that is a possibility. Um, we don't know for sure whether that's going to happen, um, especially with what Doralton Capital has in mind. But um, that was a rumor stemming from uh, last season when the Williams family was still in control. Not sure where they're we're at with that now or where they're at rather but um of course as the news comes in we will definitely talk about that in the future and uh that is all i had from a housekeeping standpoint uh joy did you have anything uh no that was pretty much it that um i had in mind uh for the housekeeping there were some some loose ends that we need to tie uh from the first episode and so yeah wouldn't that be amazing if uh if Formula One got their news from us that Williams is going to switch to Renault, uh, <laughs> confirmed, you know, uh, but yeah, uh, that is, yeah, that is not true. You know, these are just speculations and, um, yeah, we just wanted to clear those things up. And so, yeah, uh, this is one of the, the fun things that, uh, we wanted to do the last episode. Uh, it was going through my tier list for the tracks. Um, we missed the opportunity. Um, it was getting a little late. We were pushing on like four hours uh, the first episode. And so, yeah, we just wanted to like kind of brush, quickly brush through uh, my tier list. Um, so, yeah. Was there anything you just wanted to add, uh, Wes? No, let's uh, get the ball rolling on this one. Cool. And so, um, I just want to pretty much start off with the legendary tracks so these are the tracks that i think belong in formula one like i don't see these tracks ever going away um you know we've seen a couple of tracks already leave or are supposed to leave in the future of formula one um replace being replaced by tracks that are going to be hosted into larger cities um metropolitan areas and so yeah so these are kind of the tracks so right now i have Belgium, so that's Spa, Monaco, Italy, uh, which is Monza. Uh, to clear things up, we have three mon- three had three Italian Grand Prix this year, but um, Austria and Great Britain, which is Silverstone, right? So yeah, uh, Wes, what did you know about any of these tracks? Do you, is there one that kind of sticks out to you? Silverstone. Silverstone. Um, and it, it, this is going to come up as a real stupid response, so uh, bear with me. But Silverstone, obviously, the older layout, so where Lewis got that um, big victory back in 2008. Right. Uh, that layout was obviously very popular in racing video games. So, of course, <laughs> running the track virtually, and, um, you know, the name just sticks, so... When I found out that that was on the Formula One calendar, when I started getting back into Formula One, I was like, oh, wow, right. Silverstone. <laughs> of course, it's different now, but um, it's a legendary track. Um, that's when I started realizing that uh, 
tracks had names for their corners. Right. Uh, you know, in Silverstone Skates, Brooklyn's, Maggots, Beckett's, So Cops, Hanger Street. And so, or well, yeah. Uh, in that case, it's straight. But yeah, I mean, so a lot of things about it is just so legendary, and it's it's just cool to see that backdrop of the grandstand and the cars coming down the line, uh, right. and especially when it's at the end of the race, because it's like you just see the fans go nuts, especially in recent times with Lewis. You just see all the British fans go, yeah! And, you know, that silver or black car now is just going through, whether it has four wheels, three wheels, doesn't matter. Brings all the intensity and all the all the bliss. Right, right. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I just want to take a shot in the dark here. I'm not completely sure. But the old layout for the Silverstone track was that the first turn was cops am i wrong and then pretty much that was the start finish straight was the before cops i believe so okay okay because yeah uh i remember that uh track layout in like old games like gran turismo and so yeah when they started with like that new track layout like it was it was new to me but like it was also refreshing to see because now now it's a little bit more exciting of a first, um, what do you call it? First sector. You know, first sector would have been with Maggots and Beckets back then, if <clears> it's <throat> true. So, but yeah, uh, was there any other tracks from my legendary tier that stood out for you? Uh, Monaco. Monaco, of course. Of I don't, course, right. I, I don't ever see... And so, like, uh, that's what I call it, the legendary um, tracks. I don't ever see these tracks going away. Um, and so, Monaco is definitely, like, a track that will never... Oh, even though, like, we never went to it this year uh, because of the virus um, and the pandemic, um, definitely Monaco is, like, one of those tracks where you could definitely look up, look forward to uh, every season. Now, I would say that, like, Monaco um, qualifying is a lot more intense than the race itself. Would you agree? I would say so, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, There's there's something about Monaco, right, that just makes the drivers uh, more intense than they actually are. It's like like their minds are already running at eighth gear, but for whatever reason, in Monaco, they're running at ninth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so uh there's not a lot of overtaking, so I mean, I'll, I'll tell you right now for my legendary track, um my favorite one is Spa, right? That's my favorite track like pretty much throughout the entire calendar. So Spa Francorchamps, um I like it because it's a multi-purpose track. You know, you could I mean, a lot of these tracks are multi-purpose as well, but like um you know, Belgium it hosts a lot of GT races. Um, I, b- I believe it, they host the Blanc Pen, they host the WEC, but they also host Formula One. So uh, you kind of get to you got you kind of get an idea of how fast these Formula One cars, based on these tracks, because a lot of other racing series and racing disciplines um, spend a lot of time on this track too. So uh, yeah, let's go to uh, my the lower one, right? Let's go to a track tier list. That's I call it great. You know, it's not. I, I mean, I, I do see these going away for uh, a track that's probably hosted in their con- in th- the same country, but perhaps a different track. Um, 
And so, yeah, uh, definitely Bahrain. I think Bahrain is, is a good track, but it's not going to be... It's not like one of the legendary ones. It doesn't, you know... It hasn't really produced great... I mean, it does pr produce great racing, but it doesn't produce, like, the most memorable racing, right? And so the other one is uh, Japan, uh, Netherlands, which is uh, Zandvoort, uh, Brazil, Azerbaijan, and Canada. And so... Yeah, was there any tracks from these uh, from this list that you kind of like or dislike? Like, or should I say, love, love oh. Suzuka. Suzuka, yeah. Because Absolutely. you know, um, we've we've seen a lot of real interesting events go down right. in that race. Historic, uh, historic race, right? Right. right. Um, odd things can happen. Uh, in that transition between uh, Spoon and 130R. Right, right. Right? Uh, <laughs> and, you know, Spoon is probably the biggest hairpin I've ever seen. Like, oh, my God. I mean, uh, during Senna's time, turn one was pretty much the probably the biggest um, turn in that season, right? Like, Sure. Prost, right, taking each other out, Prost and Senna taking each other out onto turn one. Just oh, so for sure. Senna could like clinch the title. You know, there was no other way he was gonna take that championship. And so, yeah, uh, this was Japan was definitely one of the the toughest one for me because. Um, but the reason why I put it as a great track, uh, is because we raced in Fuji, um, a couple years ago. Like I think it was two thousand somewhere early two thousands. We raced in Fuji, and that's why I kind of see like there's a lot of great tracks in Japan uh, that could possibly maybe um go alongside with suzuka so yeah hopefully you know we do visit those tracks um oh for sure summer. and uh what i do want to add with suzuka is that um especially uh trying it from a sim racing perspective it's that there are a lot of parts of it that you think you're gonna go full speed no no you're not <laughs> right it's a very it's it's harder than it than it looks is what I'm trying to say. Right. Especially at that chicane near the end, um, at the start finish line. Right, right. And but yeah, no, it's it's technical, it's fast at the same time. One thirty titles have been decided there. Right. Uh side mirrors can go flying there. Ask Charles Leclerc. I think I think J um, Japan in general is just such a great um country when it comes to hosting um pretty much motorsport for sure i mean if you ask me they are they are the heart of asia when it comes to racing right, right. absolutely right? i agree but yes that's that's the main reasons i love suzuka it's very technical but also very very fast right and of course you know your season can end there <laughs> especially if you're in the lead right absolutely so, yeah you know that's my that's my love and i will say like interlagos right again that's Absolutely. where titles have been decided. Um, in a way, it kind of reminds me of a uh, winding mountain pass. I know it's kind of weird, yeah. but hear me out here. A lot of uphill, a lot of downhill, a lot of uh, windy action. Right, right. And, um, you know, it's also home to the greatest radio call of all time, if you ask me. <laughs> With Ayrton screaming. Right, right. As, as he won, because at the at that point he hasn't won in his home country, and then that was the one that broke him through. 
Yeah. Uh, and like, yeah, I, I kind of have that same feeling with Brazil. Like, it, it's such a special place, and you also hold so many like special fans. Um, you know, and, and it's sad to see it go. Interlagos is gonna. I think they're going to have one more year next year, but um, after that... I'm going to stop you there, Joy, because they're going to extend. Earlier this week, they are going to extend that contract. They're not going to go to Rio. Ah, okay. Okay, that's good. Because I was afraid that that's why why I put um, these tracks in the lower kind of positions, because they do have a tendency. Like, some of these are just... Some of these might, you know, go away. Um, in the future, uh, Brazil was the biggest one of them, and uh, there was this scare that Interlagos wasn't going to be part of the calendar anymore. And so, and Rio de Janeiro, you know, it, it's such a metropolitan place that I, I could see why Formula One would be attracted to uh, a location like that. But I, I'm glad, I'm glad that Interlagos is now part of the F1 calendar. So, yeah. and, you know, I'm glad to to give you that reassurance, and I hope <laughs> the next time we revisit these, you better put uh, Brazil in in tier A with Monaco, with Great Britain, because oh my gosh, same with Japan. Oh my god, same gosh. with Japan, right? Oh, they they deserve to be like up I said. There. I mean, these are these how are, dare you snub them, Joy? These, these were difficult. <laughs> if I had to put Japan and Brazil into legendary tracks, then uh, I would pretty much have no base. There was there wasn't going to be any tracks for like the the great well azerbaijan is okay uh is a great track in my opinion mm-hmm. um canada bahrain <laughs> and also uh netherlands now we haven't been to the netherlands we're supposed to be there next um season uh if you haven't got a chance to look at the max verstappen on board you should look at it it, it looks like it, it's so unique um the banking on zanvoort is incredible you know um this like it's going to be interesting to see Formula One cars go through there. Um, I don't think there's going to be a lot of overtaking opportunities, but I think just the spectacle of watching the the cars go through the turns, um, the undulating, pat, uh, you know, paths, and so it, it'll be interesting to watch. Well, yeah, I mean, with Zandvoort, I mean, I mean, they've done it before. F1 right. has done it before, right? right? Granted, it was at a time before you or me or this awesome podcast existed (laughs) (laughs) but yes watching that on board from max super max as they call him in uh the netherlands but uh yeah going through the bankings all the turns especially with how the f1 cars look right for next year and of course they'll be a little smaller moving forward but yeah it's going to be interesting how the teams and the drivers are able to make use of grip um, driver skill, right. overtaking skill, um, DRS zones. Um, it's going to be real interesting. Right. Um, and one thing I do want to add, Joy, um, I know you asked me about a track that I dislike. Uh, unfortunately for you, there is a, a dislike that I have in Group B. Okay. For your Yeah. And that is Azerbaijan. Okay. I don't find that race interesting at all. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, I think it produced some great racing um in the past now the the racing has never been you know in the front of the grid it's always usually been in the middle um probably the most memorable win for me was ricardo ricardo's win uh when hamilton and vettel kind of or vettel i should say like kind of smash into the side of um hamilton after he thought that hamilton brake checked him during a safety car period and um ricardo passing 
three wide into start finish straight. I, I thought, I thought Azerbaijan is great. I think for uh, a city track, um, it's fast pace. There's a lot of room. You could like you know you could actually fit at least two cars, maybe not in Castle, but uh, at least two cars into the into uh, <laughs> definitely not in Castle. Not definitely not in Castle, <laughs> and so. Um, so yeah, uh, that's why I think. But yeah, uh, I'm glad that you shared that. Azerbaijan I mean, if you put it if you put it that way, I mean Azerbaijan. If you're all about contact, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in terms of safety like, cars, in terms that's of actually being like technical and being so uh, artsy, or you know, uh, because this is a half boxing podcast, being all Muhammad Ali, you know, floating like a butterfly out there. Then yeah, Azerbaijan is not the race for you. Right, right. And unfortunately for me, I love. I love uh, a strong display of driving, and Azerbaijan hasn't done that for me lately. Okay. Uh, Fair the enough. only thing I will I will say the things that I do uh, enjoyed watching from Azerbaijan is, um, you know, I think it was Daniel Ricardo. Right. He got hit because one of his rivals backed into him. Oh, uh, are you talking about like a couple years ago when he in the Renault? Uh, backed up into uh, Kvyat because um, oh yeah there you go he so overshot yeah he overshot yeah him and Kvyat overshot their braking zones and uh, he reversed into Kvyat okay yeah and I remember the uh, uh, I think it was uh, Gasly he almost ran into Brendan Hartley yeah yeah, yeah. I think yeah and, I think uh, that was it yeah and um, the one other was uh, of course the iconic you know, bull on bull, doggy style action <laughs> there at the end of the straight. Not right. to make it, um, uh, not to make it sound like that, but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, for contact, sure. But, but when yeah. it comes to like actual, yeah, for full driving, you know, are we gonna see that from all twenty cars? No, no. I mean, it's like that everywhere. But right. yeah, um, but yeah. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Azerbaijan. Who could forget? You know. Um, Ocon and Perez this is when it started right this is when like the hatred between them in race in Force India started this is when like they would push each other to the wall um and so this is why I love Azerbaijan you know the this is where like this this is probably the race where like I remember as like tempers are like boiling over so that's probably why I like it sure so yeah let's let's go on to the to the group C right like they're kind of I call it the good, the good, like they're okay tracks. Um, and for me, it's Australia, USA, China, Mexico, France, and Hungary. And so, yeah, uh, I don't know. I I think the, I think a lot of Formula One fans would disagree with me in France. I think they, they, they would probably argue that France should be a little bit lower, but uh, let I mean, trust me, like there's if you see the the tier down, a tier lower, you, you would understand why I put uh, France in here. So, yeah. Any thoughts, Wes? Hungary, which is basically Monaco without the border, should be in group B. <laughs> France should be in group lower than C. So okay. if there's a group. If you have a group D, put them in group D. <laughs> China, I think the same thing. Australia is fine where it is. Uh, good old America. <laughs> that should be in Group B, and I think Mexico stays where it is. And the reason why I say that is, uh, you know, with, 
with China, I don't find that race interesting. It was pretty boring. Okay. Um, I remember uh, in 2019, um, it took place on my birthday, and I stayed up, as much as I love Lewis, just to have everyone follow him. <laughs> like, really? I, 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 I stay up. I don't go to bed until, like, 3 in the morning for that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't have much to say about China. France, same, you know. Um, okay. <laughs> it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird to get off the track. Yeah. And then come back in without any trouble. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's that also stems from the gravel trap discussion that F1's been having. Right. Uh, over the past it doesn't, it doesn't punish. Months. It doesn't punish uh, drivers as much right. as it should. Right. And they also, I mean, they say that the colors... Uh, messed up the tires like yeah i haven't seen that you know <laughs> but uh yeah uh, like uh what do you call it i mean i'm not gonna lie there's there's some tracks in here that uh i would consider i like it like some of these are like some of my favorite tracks um australia mm -hmm. china and france i would say is like is a, is a good track but because there is kind of a limited opportunity for great racing um that's why right. i put it here um I know you guys don't like France. I definitely don't like Hungary. I don't like the Hungarian oh. Grand Prix. I think uh, why? Uh, I don't know, man. Like it, it's literally just like the if you're not anywhere close to the guy in front of you, like there's no point in trying to undercut. Like it, there's if you try to undercut, you might go back into traffic, and then you're gonna lose that position. It, uh, Hungary just doesn't provide a good enough racing for me Pro probably like um a good strategist might you know save the day for you in hungary but oh man it's just I, I don't like the track i don't like how you know there's just it goes down it just goes down and there's a massive climb up and then uh i don't know I don't know. Uh, I might I mean, that's, be wrong. That's why they call it. That's why they call it Monaco without the the borders, right? <laughs> I guess. So yeah, I mean, if if you're gonna have that mental acuity in the Monaco, you're gonna have that same mental acuity in Hungary. But so that's but why Monaco, I say it should be a little bit higher. Monaco is like a. It's a spectacle, you know. Like um, it's a I, city. Trust me, I get that. I get that. But I don't know. I mean, I I guess I don't know. This because. As someone who grew up as uh, the geek all throughout his uh, school days, I, I mean, I love it when okay. you know there's a lot of mental strength involved. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, with with the rest of the field, you know, like USA, I actually find that race pretty interesting. You know, had the pleasure of watching um, Mercedes claim a championship there. Um, Australia, you know, you always got to have respect for the. Uh, first race of the season right although I, it is kind of a hard track i will i will not lie um you know it looks cool uh but yeah i can understand why it, it's not always the most um attractive and okay. mexico you know it looks cool again right just like australia you're going through a baseball stadium for god's sake or an <laughs> old baseball stadium well okay but yeah i haven't seen any big action lately okay. I mean, I mean, when I watched last year's race, I think the only fun thing I saw there was Lewis's car being lifted up into the podium. Okay. Okay. I mean, okay. So, uh, I will say this, probably like, um, the USA, right? Coda, Circuit of the Americas. Um, I don't really like the track. I think, uh, I don't know. Uh, I've seen, I've 
watch like i said this is my first race this was where i watched my first race um and obviously i was the first time i watched it i was amazed but like over over the years it, it just didn't really pose great racing for me um i will say this uh to anyone listening i think listening i think um i think if you watch indycar going to coda i think it's a lot more interesting it pretty you could watch the drivers rustle their cars around some of these corners and these corners are not they're not um easy to go around especially in indycar so i definitely urge people to watch coda in indycar instead of formula one mate uh, you probably enjoy uh, a much faster lap time in formula one but like i think the racing is is a lot more intense in indy around this track in, in this particular track uh, mexico i think it's unique because it's the highest um, in terms of like sea level uh, of all the tracks, and so the the air is so thin. Um, that's why like um, the past three times we've gone there, two of them have been going to Red Bull. Um, and back then, you know, Red Bull. This year, it's more about Mercedes with the highest downforce. But back then, you know, Red Bull possessed the highest downforce car. Or the car with the most high downforce, and so it was interesting. That, that was the that was the um, the track where we were always looking forward to that the Red Bulls could easily steal from the Mercedes. So maybe that's why I kind of enjoy it a little bit more. And so yeah, any more uh, thoughts on that, Wes? I'm good here. Okay, cool. So now let's go to the bad tracks. I think these tracks need to go. I think they <laughs> I think they should be replaced. Um, you know, I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like the fans here are, are bad. I'm, I'm just saying the track, the layout itself, it doesn't, you know, do any, it, it's not, it's featureless. Like it, there's nothing memorable about them. So, um, number one, right. This, this might be controversial, but number one is Vietnam for me. Uh, now we haven't gone to Vietnam, but. Nor will we ever. Nor will we ever, right. But uh, it was in the 2020 uh, Formula One game. And it's literally just straights. Um, you know, it, you could tell a lot of the cars that have the least um, drag in their car. Probably the ones with the most, the hot, like the most powerful engines will definitely do good. Uh, there's a lot of heavy braking zones. There's a huge... Um, hairpin, you know, I think it's in the middle of se- uh, the second sector. But yeah, for me, it, it didn't really, it wasn't really that interesting. And so, yeah, my others are Spain, Singapore, and Russia. Any thoughts, Wes? Well, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I am in agreement with three out of the four. Okay. So Russia, you know, I didn't really like the track when I first started watching Formula One full on, full time. And then, of course, you know, what happened this season kind of explained why I should hate it, (laughs) a la Carlos Sainz and that runoff area that they designated. I I mean, granted, Carlos will go back and say that he uh, miscalculated or whatever, but still... It looked a little small to me. Okay. Given how big the cars are, right? Right, right. 
and how congested that area is because it, it looked like he was going to hit somebody anyway this is a this right? is such a great track for for carlos uh if you don't remember carlos actually recorded the highest impact impact from a formula one car here um he he recorded a 46 g impact he just Jeez. went he just went straight Christ. on yeah he just went straight on into <laughs> one of the one of the barriers i think he had a brake problem uh, that was oh, early. Yeah. That was early on. That was during his Toro Rosso days. But yeah, no, um, that's scary. That that is scary. Um, he had to be carted off, and so sure. yeah, more more on that later. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but yeah, I mean, Russia. I I don't know. There's nothing really interesting about it, if you ask me. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I beca- agree. And because of the because of the parameters too, it, it doesn't really. I don't know something about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's so weird they, too, right? Like. Um, it's so weird. Like I, I think right after Russia we go to Singapore, um, and then before, or maybe right after Singapore we go to Russia. I'm not, I'm not sure entirely what the order is, but it feels like it's the most out of place. Um, it is uh, Singapore and Russia because you have it at 16 and 17. And then um, after Russia we go to Japan, right? I think you have that at. 15 no yeah no you're right you're right i'm sorry 18 yeah for the for the listeners uh oh yeah, we yeah, have yeah. The sheet here but you okay, all okay. can't see that but um i'm sure for those who understand the calendar um that this sounds it would sound right on and you'd be able to answer for us but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah singapore is before russia but um yeah uh yeah they're it, it i mean they're on the right side of the world right, but right. moving on you know with spain yeah it's 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 a test track. It's a test track. Come on, <laughs> it's only good for a one car, one lap. I don't know if that will change with the smaller cars in later iterations of F1, but for right now, eh, yeah, maybe it maybe keep it as a test many. track, the preseason yeah, track. Yeah, anything to, interesting there, right. except for fun fact: when you do sim racing, you do that spin <laughs> on that like S corner. There. Right, right, yeah, yeah. For no, but the real cars don't do that. So I was like, oh, what the heck, but. Side side note: I don't find anything interesting about Spain, except for when they do testing, because it's cool to see an F1 car go go around in like February. Right. But uh, yeah, um, Vietnam. I don't know too much about it, um, so no no not too many comments there. Okay. Singapore, I think should be higher. Okay. Maybe it's because I have a, a soft spot for Singapore. Um, maybe it's also because something about. You know, street race at night, high okay. speed, high heat. You know, something about uh, it just just <laughs> catches the marketability <laughs> of the race. Probably, you know, yeah. When it when it rains, probably um, it'll be more interesting. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, Singapore is um, uh, even you know the presenters would would admit that it's not the best track for overtaking, but it is spectacular to watch. Uh, during I mean, the it's night. like right. It's literally Fast and Furious, but organized. <laughs> because look. Think about it. Lots of shifting. Right. Fast cars. No nitrous, but DRS. <laughs> but the night and, you know, Singapore nightlife is very uh, lively. It's very bright. Right. Um, all the all the big people, uh, and by big people, I mean um, Networth, come right. out to play and watch that race. Doesn't matter if they're Singaporean or not. Um, and every now and then, or I mean, maybe for the last few seasons, you get to see a gold helmet with uh, 
a Mercedes logo on it, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I like Singapore actually. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's like Monaco, right? No, no real place to overtake. Right. But, probably the, probably it's it's also one of those track where um the qualifying is a little bit more intense than the racing itself. Sure, but um yeah, you know it's like. It's just the marketability of it, and um, the cars do look good running through those streets. Right, right. Uh, they do. Yeah. But yeah, and you know, yeah, and yeah. To your point, Jared. Yeah, I think it's a more of a one lap track. Yeah. That otherwise we wouldn't get comments of uh, <laughs> our guy Lewis saying, "That's when I knew I was the one with the car," you know, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> something very, very uh, sentimental and borderline sensual. But <laughs> anyway, right. yeah, that is yeah. that is my takes on uh, Group D. One should be a little bit higher, maybe in Group C, but the okay. rest can stay where they are. Okay. And then, so let's move on to the worst, absolute worst track, in my opinion. Now, I think they got the location correct, right? Like it, it's next to um, next to the Cap- Caspian Sea, right? Um, it's beautiful when the sun sets um and it's beautiful when the lights are all on and that's abu dhabi however the track itself um i don't know if this is true but there was this um thing like i think herman tilke was the one that pretty much designed a lot of the tracks for formula one but i think he took all the best features from all the best tracks in the formula one calendar and then they kind of sculpted this track all the best features of every track and sculpted to make this track but the track is nothing like it, it, it's really featureless um and we saw you know a couple years ago um when fernando was making a run at sebastian vettel's title run um you know defense or yeah, yeah yeah when fernando alonso was in ferrari and Sebastian Vettel won his first championship at Red Bull. Um, Sebastian Vettel pretty much crossed the finish line P1, but Fernando Alonso needed to get past Petrov, and he couldn't. And that's why the DRS is born, right? The year after, they created the DRS so that it's a lot easier to pass on the straights. Uh, Fernando Alonso was so uh, frustrated that he couldn't get past uh, Petrov, um, he claimed that Petrov pretty much just blocked him uh, throughout the entire race. But, but yeah, I mean, Abu Dhabi is just, uh, aside from the straights, there's not really a lot of places where you could pass. Now, um, Carlos Sainz proved me wrong uh, when he passed both Ricardo and Hulkenberg to get that one last point and win the best of the rest uh, last season. But... Yeah, I don't know. For me, you know, Abu Dhabi is definitely the track that I don't look forward to. You know, I think there should be a better track. Um, I think, in my personal opinion, I think Formula One should end at Interlagos, at Brazil, every single year. You know, um, it it's a great track. I don't know if they're ever going to... I don't know why it has to be at night. Um, but yeah, I really just don't like the Abu Dhabi track. You know, I'm not saying I, I don't like the the location. I think it's beautiful. 
Um, but yeah, I, I just don't like the. I just don't like Abu Dhabi. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, okay. I, yeah. I don't like the Yas Marina circuit, not Abu Dhabi. Uh, yeah, I would agree with you there. I, okay. I don't find anything interesting about Yas Marina's circuit, except for like the backdrop and I guess what outside of it has to offer. Right. Right. But um, yeah, other than that, it's like it's another track where if you're at the front, all you got to do is hold the position. Right. Right. Um, granted, there are some parts that look a little interesting. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's that near that hotel or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's that open area where you can go wide and all of a sudden there's like a low speed corner going left <laughs> right after that. I was just like, whoa, 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 that's a little. But then again, that's why Formula One drivers are Formula One drivers. All right. Right. <laughs> right? But yeah, nothing really too uh, too interesting there. I mean, if you ask me, um, while we're still talking about it, where the last race should be, uh, maybe why not in America? Coda. Uh, um, yeah, why I not? guess. Yeah. Um... I mean, Texas in Texas in December is not cold. <laughs> I mean, uh, granted, last year's race was a little bit of an anomaly. It's ne- it's generally not that cold around the time of where they usually have the USGP. But think about it. I mean, Americans love finales. I they guess. love it when, you know, they are the best for last. Right, right. And you think about it, oh, my gosh, the way they introduce the drivers is like the, way they, the same way they introduce the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> right? And... I think right now Texans would rather see those guys in their helmets rather than those guys with the blue star helmets, right? <laughs> at the because moment, at the moment. At you don't the know. moment, yes. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think that's how you can also help uh, viewership in America. I it's guess. Like you, you market it as you guys are the last race, you guys are the uh, best for last, you know, or something like that. Um, and, you know, I think that'll get – American racing fans, like especially those that are deep rooted in NASCAR and IndyCar and ARCA or in Rally USA, to be like, ooh, <laughs> Formula One's here. Wait. And the spotlight's on us. <laughs> and nothing else after that. I guess. Or next season. But yeah, I don't know. That's just me. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's uh that's a that's a great point. You know, um if we do want to capture uh, American audiences, why not make the finale in America? Um but yeah, uh, but yeah, I also want to correct myself because uh, I said that the Yasmarina circuit is next to the Caspian Sea. It's not. Uh, it's actually the Persian Gulf. I just want to correct myself before before we move on and we miss the opportunity. So yeah, um, that's how you know. Uh, that's how you know how bad I am in geography. So yeah, uh, yeah. I just wanted to point that out. Uh, but yeah, any more thoughts on? You know, I appreciate you for uh, taking the time to to fix that up. I I actually did not know that, so that goes to show my geography skills. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm good here, uh, Joy. Let's keep going. Okay, cool. And so yeah, uh, now let's just move on to this weekend's race, right? Um, we're back. We're back at Turkey. Um, we're back at the Turkish Grand Prix. Um, I don't know what the what the the track name is, but like. 
I remember uh, 2011, the Turkish Grand Prix. Um, I remember it because I watched it a couple days ago uh, when Michael Schumacher was in the Mercedes and Sebastian Vettel just pretty much ran off with the win. He just That's what he did back then in uh, the Red Bull. Um, I might be mistaken. I think it's 2012 or 2013. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll make sure. But yeah, uh, I remember this track being great for racing, right? Uh, that's why so many fans are so excited to see it back onto the calendar. Um, now we got a taste of the modern Formula One cars today or early this morning really early in this morning i remember it was like two o'clock in the morning and uh, i remember seeing that there's a there was a notification on my phone saying that fp1 was halted because of a red flag but yeah uh, uh for first practice was uh interesting did you did you um i did okay um or at least the the highlights uh granted um so for our listeners again we are based in the united states um, and we are in the central uh, time zone, so free practice was really early this morning. Right. And um, generally, for us working people, we <laughs> wouldn't be up at two, three, four in the morning. <laughs> I, was, Five, I wasn't up until that. twelve p.m. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> see, uh, but um, yeah, I did see the timings and some of the highlights, and you know what a. The notion of cold weather that has been, uh, you know, discussed earlier in the week by all the uh, F1 pundits, uh, it's coming into play. Right, right. Um, and, uh, you know, it. it's not to say that an F1 car for this year's spec is not capable of going around that track. It right. can. I mean, obviously. It can, but with uh, the, People yeah. set times. Right, right. Uh, but with the resurfacing and the cold temperatures, it doesn't really help anyone's cause, especially right. Pirelli's right, for right. a tire. And so, I'm like, it's, go ahead, yes. Yeah, and so I think that will bring an exciting race, right? Because then these teams won't have that much data to work with. Um, if you can't pretty much show uh, a representative time, then it's more about track acclimatization, right? It's more about like the drivers learning the track than it is about gathering data. Uh, well, I'm only talking about FP1. Uh, and so... Yeah, I wanted to discuss FP1 times, right? So Max Verstappen was P1 this morning. Um, he posted a 135. Now, interestingly, that time is 10 seconds slower than than Juan Pablo Montoya, who I think holds the record for uh, the fastest time. Now, I, I That's predict, correct. Yeah, I predict that this time will... I, pre I predict that that record won't hold once qualifying starts. Um, I think that 135 isn't representative of any of these cars. I think they're a lot faster than that. And so uh, I think they're gonna, we're going to see it in FP3 tomorrow. And then for sure qualifying. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it can only get better, right? Um, because the teams will be able to at least figure out what went right today and what didn't. Right. Um, like, if you're Mercedes, you got to figure out, um, okay, what can we do? Because 
let's take Lewis again, for example. He was P15. Right. Botas in P9 after FP1. And then I think they rounded out the top five going into FP2. So there, there goes to show that there's there's improvement. Right. Uh, of course, you know, and that's going to uh, trend upward later. But, um, you know, it's, it's really going to be interesting uh, not only for the front runners, but also uh, for the midfield, right? Okay. So like with Renault, Racing Point, and McLaren, they're not, they're only separated by one point. Okay. And a lot are their drivers never been there before. Right. And, so. you know, McLarens are not that good in cold weather, case in point, <laughs> Nürburgring. Right. So, we'll um, see, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Right. So, yeah, I mean, a lot to look forward to going into uh, Sunday, or tomorrow and Sunday. Right. And so, yeah, uh, I also want to quickly bring up FP2 because Max Verstappen proves that, you know, these cars are a lot faster. They go seven seconds faster from FP1. Now that's because, you know, the the track is a lot warmer in FP2. There's already rubber in uh, the racing line. And, you know, that's when pretty much a lot of the the more representative times i think they're not gonna be i I don't think these are still the representative times but they're 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 getting closer and so i mean seven seconds from p from fp1 to fp2 i mean that's a lot right so i I think it's gonna exponentially just get much more faster from here and so yeah for sure yes and so uh based off of uh, what we've seen so far wes um i just wanted to uh, before we get into the the bulls and bears, um, give me who do you think is gonna be um, on the podium for the qualifying? Just for the qualifying. For the quali. Uh, I'll probably give mine first uh, if you if you ahead. need to think about it. Yeah, so I think sure. it's gonna be uh, Verstappen, Bottas, Hamilton. I think Verstappen really loves this track, and so I think uh, I think it shows in the final practices. So. I expect them to take pole position tomorrow. Well, uh, in third, I have uh, Valtteri Bottas. In second, I have uh, Max Verstappen. And in first, I will have (laughs) the reigning, defending champion of the world, Lewis Hamilton. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's, that's possible, right? Because Hamilton seems to you know shave a little bit of time uh a little bit more time in q3 than everyone else it seems like he he finds the fastest lines around the track you know even though like bottas would dominate uh, all the practice sessions and pretty much q1 and q2 but then in q3 he just doesn't get the pole position and so yeah i mean definitely valid uh, a valid argument there for for hamilton for sure. Let's see how it shakes out tomorrow. All right. So let's uh, move on. So we have a new segment uh, for all you listeners. And this segment is called Bulls and Bears. Now, this has nothing to do with Red Bull or the Chicago Bulls or any basketball fans um, that follow the podcast. But it is drivers so three drivers joy and i will pick three drivers that we think are going to trend upward right a la the bulls um and three drivers that we are gonna stay away from a la the bears <laughs> and of course for if there are any stock market 
um, or trading guys that listen or people, I should say, not guys, not just guys, people that uh, listen to our podcast. I'm sure you will appreciate that. So my bulls for the week are the world champ, Lewis Hamilton, and I mean it. I think he's going to clinch it this weekend because it's there for the taking. If you're that great and you smell blood in the water, there's no reason for you to back off. No reason. Especially when it's a track that you've done heroics at before. My next bull, Max Verstappen. So, bull, Red Bull, whoop-de-doo, no pun intended. But, you know, he is arguably the driver of the year. And He's been on record saying that he likes Istanbul Park. So, Jared, that there you go. Right. Um, Istanbul, Intercity Istanbul Park. Istanbul, um, Bulls and Bears, Red Bulls. Sure. We got all the ha-ha. Bulls today. <laughs> Haha, Joy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's been in fine form. Like I said, he loves this track, at least um, from a perception standpoint. And, um, you know, I, I don't see him not doing well. You know, I don't see him getting screwed over by tires or whatever the the court or the case may be. My third bull, Charles Leclerc. Okay. And you know he's been red hot in that not so red hot car. <laughs> and it's, it's still red. It's still red, but uh, uh, the car performance is not. Yeah, I mean, either <laughs> way, he. He, he's another candidate for me to be, like, a driver of the year. Right. Right. Absolutely. Because he's getting out of that car more than uh, people thought they he or even Sebastian Vettel would. And a little on Sebastian Vettel in a little um, shortly. But, I mean, Charles, I, I don't see him losing his form, especially in a place like this where you can stamp your resume, stamp your <laughs> legacy as one of Ferrari's best drivers right. to ever come through. Now my Bears. Uh, I'm going to put two and one here. Alex Albon, Sebastian Vettel. Okay. Now, as also armchair boxing analyst, it's obviously against the rules to hit somebody when they're down. But guess what? I'm going to play MMA on this uh, on this segment and hit these two guys while they're down. Because I don't see their forms changing this week. Okay. And I understand they've been in terrible form all season. And, yeah, Albon had a really good uh, FP1 and Seb did not spin in any way, shape, or form. But that doesn't matter. Right. And I just need Seb to bring it home and start new with Aston Martin. And for Alex Albon, as much as I love him, I don't know what's going to happen to him. Whether it's a, being an F1 in general or at the Red Bull program. And my last bear, Carlos Sainz. Again, Ooh. lead driver for McLaren. Okay. McLaren Interesting. are not doing well in cold weather this season. Of course, that kind of hurts his stock as he is going to be a Ferrari driver in waiting. But, of course, when you're the lead driver of the not-so-cold-weather car team... Of course, I'm going to be a little skeptical about you. Okay. Okay. And to close out my share of the segment, and I'm sorry, Joy, uh, uh, my honorable mention, I really wanted to put him as part of the Bulls, but, of course, we can only pick three. But if I if I had a chance to make it four, it'll be Daniel Ricciardo. 
Hey. <laughs> okay. I mean, he's the one guy that is a class act on and off the track. You know, other drivers probably would have been like, screw you, Renault. I, it, it's all about me now. But no, <laughs> Daniel is uh, in form. He's part of the reason why Renault is in form. And, you know, at the same time, they're kind of acting as if he's not going to leave. Right, right. But for what it's worth, if you're a McLaren, um, you're at least getting more data from what you're going to get from him right. when he becomes your driver next season. Okay, great. How about you, Joy? Who are your bulls and bears? Yeah, so uh, my bulls for this week is um, I'm going to try to spread it out a little bit more. I have Max, Max Verstappen. Uh, like I said, uh, I I think he enjoys his track. I think you could see it in FP1, FP2. Um, but we've seen before, I think uh, Red Bull are opportunistic. Um, whenever there is a track that Max is very comfortable with, they usually put on the mediums on Q2. Um, and so that means that the, he'll start on the mediums um, during the race. And so I think, you know, Max definitely poses a bigger threat to uh, Lewis and Botas than what we might think this week. Um, I still do believe that Hamilton will clinch the title this week. Um, but yeah, even, you know, we saw it last week when, in Imola where the the Red Bulls are making progress. You know, he, they were able to keep up with Botas. Now, granted, Botas had damage, but yeah, uh, keep an eye on uh, Verstappen. Uh, one of the bulls that I think um, that you put as one of your bears uh, that will do great this week is Carlos. Now, uh, obviously, you, you pointed out that um, the McLarens aren't really good in cold weather. Uh, however, I don't think that, you know, I think that they will try to take a grasp or a hold, a firm hold of the championship. Um, I'm picking Carlos because the the championship battle between Renault, Racing Point, and McLaren are so close, right? They're they're just one point apart, and so I I think now it's now or never. And I think if they can clinch a really good result here, I think it'll come a long way, especially when it comes to the tracks uh, that we're going up, right? That that are upcoming. Uh, Bahrain is more of a a powered track and that's what I that's where I think the the McLaren's kind of uh kind of lack, right? They they don't have the the highest or the the most powerful engines. Uh I would argue that it's Racing Point that has that. And so yeah, I, I think you should we should watch for signs. Um it's a twistier track so it should be well suited for the McLaren. Um but like you pointed, you know, it, it is a cold track. It is a cold weekend. So hopefully yeah. Uh, they'll do a little bit better. Um, and one of the bulls, I think it's also my last bull is George Russell. I think that we're going to see, you know, after embarrassing himself in Emola, I think we're going to see a turnaround for for George. Um, now, he doesn't have the best car under him or on him. Uh, and so, you know, it's going to be tough. But I think George is... He's unbreakable, you know. Uh, he he will pretty much just, you know. That that's one of the greatest things about uh, that drivers get have great drivers have is amnesia, right? They they don't they don't linger in the past. 
And so I don't think George is any type of that driver. So I, I think he'll do great uh, this in this weekend. And so, yeah, um, hopefully he gets his first point. Right? He he threw away the points in MLS. So I, I think I think this is uh, this is his time. And so uh, that would be. A, oh yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, that would be a driver of the day. Right, right. That would be because he is he is going to be starting from the back of the grid. Right, right. Well, uh, yeah. So unless you know he pulls out uh, an incredible um, qualifying, like he has you know in the previous previous races. Well, so yeah. Well, that's the thing, Joy. I don't I don't think that matters because of the engine changes he put for this week. Right, right, right. So, so yeah, we'll but, see. But if he can, if he can, oh, yeah, bring yeah, yeah. home in the points. That's he's definitely God, gonna that's, he's definitely gonna be that's a good pick. Yeah, I forgot he's taking engine penalties. So, but yeah, uh, great point. But yeah, I, I think I think he'll still he'll still be a bolt uh, to watch. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so yeah, uh, my three bears are gonna be. I think this is the only one that we share on the same category. Number uh, number one for me is Albon. Um, I do think that this might be Albon's last year. And Red Bull, I do think that Red Bull are now starting to look elsewhere. Um, now, unless Albon gets an incredible um, result, the only incredible result I would see is for him to, you know, be in the podium. Um, pretty much split the Mercedes. You know, I, I'm pretty sure Red Bull would prefer Max winning this race. And so if he could just split the Mercedes, I think that that'll prove that, OK, uh, there's there's still something there that they could work with. But I don't see it. You know, I think he still he still hasn't come to terms with that car. He still can't wrap his mind around it. And so, yeah, I think um, I think he's going to struggle. I think he's going to struggle this week. And so, yeah. Uh, but my other bear is Grosjean. Right. Um Grosjean, you know he he doesn't have a good car under him. Um, we've we've said that in the past, but Grosjean um, he also doesn't do well when it comes to wheel to wheel racing, and that's what this track promotes. So I don't think you know uh, it's gonna help any way this season. I mean, I by the way, um, I just want to say like for all these bears, uh, I want them to. I'd be happy to to come here next week and eat my words, right? So, uh, but yeah, um, the other bear I think now this is gonna be a shock to everyone is Ricardo. I think after all that good result, that that good string of result, I've I've watched Ricardo. He's my favorite driver. I just want to put that out there. But after a string of like really good results there's usually that performance of ricardo where he kind of just uh like what are you doing you know um and so uh, i don't think you know i don't think it's gonna be that bad but i don't think he's gonna score any points this week so but yeah uh we'll see i'm probably gonna eat my words especially on ricardo uh especially that i think renault has probably the third best car on the grid right now and so yeah um those are my bears my bulls and bears interesting interesting but hey uh anything can happen right, right. that's how formula one is and that's the beauty of it I, I, like i said right I mean, i'm happy to eat my words next week I'm, oh i'm for happy sure. to for any of these for guys sure. to prove me wrong yeah 
Absolutely. I know when to put my pride on the shelf. And, you know, I hope that CS um, turns it around. Now, Sebastian and Alex, I I don't know. If you ask me, those are pretty safe picks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but uh, we'll see. And, uh, you know, anything can happen even with my bulls. So, if yeah, it, let's. If Ricardo gets a third podium this year, I will drink from my shoe. I will do a shoey. And I will post it on social media. Oh, boy. <laughs> you heard oh, it that, first. That, you heard that, it here first, folks. Now, uh, Joy is going to do a shoey <laughs> if VR uh, gets on the podium. I mean, because uh, you already know that there's going to be three drivers on the podium. It's just whether he can get there, too. So uh, I'll, I'll, I think it's pretty safe this, this week. So uh, You know yeah. what? Fine. I, I, will wear, I will do this then. Uh, it's not going to be as uh, demanding as a shoey. But um, if DR gets on the podium, I will wear an odd uh, color combination of yellow and orange <laughs> at some point this week. Right. And uh, just to put it out there, you, you are very critical of the Renaults, so And uh, something about orange, too, <laughs> as much as I love McLaren. So, yes. Uh, but, yes, that uh, is bulls and bears. I, th- I thought you were everybody... going to say... I thought you were going to say that you were going to get a tattoo. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> we, we, we can maybe talk about personal aspirations in another episode. Okay. But once again, <laughs> that is bulls and bears, everyone. Let us know what you think about that new segment. Um, yeah. Whether we should uh, keep it or bin it. But, Absolutely. Um, now that that's out of the way, uh, we want to introduce another segment that Joy uh, has uh, developed for this week. Joy? Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, this is probably not going to be like a, a recurring segment on the show. Um, this is definitely just one of the things that uh, I found. It was a, um, it was an article by WTF One that they posted all the crazy fun ideas that Bernie Ecclestone uh, pretty much had for Formula One when he was in charge. And um, so our, this segment is going to be just me and Wes kind of giving our ideas to make Formula One even more exciting. Um, <laughs> now for sure, these, these, uh, these ideas may never, ever be implemented. Uh, that's, that's kind of the point of it, right? That's kind of the fun, <laughs> uh, especially with Bernie, right? Uh, thank God he's gone. Cause my gosh, if any of these ideas were to, and by the way, some of these ideas were about to get into introduce into formula one. Thank God someone with logic, uh, denied them. And so, just to give you an idea, Bernie Ecclestone said that Formula One should be more dangerous. And so, <laughs> that kind of gives you an idea of, like, what kind of idea, like, that kind of gives you an idea of what kind of an idea he has. Well, yeah, whatever. But uh, that kind of gives you an idea of how Bernie saw Formula One. Um, you know, he even commented that he was disappointed to see Alonzo climb out of his car safely when he had that massive McLaren crash in the first year of the partnership between McLaren and Honda. Uh, that is scary. That's a scary, you know, thing to hear, especially from a guy that had a lot of power in formula one at that time. So, so yeah, uh, let's introduce our ideas. Um, I'll start it off. So, one of my biggest ideas uh, is that, you know, there's there's been huge claims 
throughout the years of Formula One cars, the the incredible engineering milestone that we were able to achieve that these cars have so much downforce that they could pretty much drive in a tunnel upside down in a tunnel. And so one of my crazy ideas is uh, one of my ideas, my Bernie Ecclestone ideas is having implementing a track in Formula One that features an upside down. Uh, now, yeah, that's that's pretty. I mean, you could you could go off in the comments to see if any of these things could uh, could ever go through, but I doubt this one would ever go through. And uh, secondly, is that I think Formula One missed a great opportunity, right? We've uh, the engines of Formula One have been a major discussion recently because it doesn't seem as though um, we're that eco-friendly, right? The the carbon footprints of Formula One is a lot greater than what the cars produce on track, right? Um, we do travel around the world and the carbon emissions that are being emitted from the planes, from the cargo ships and the freight, uh, what do you call it? The freight trucks that pretty much transport the teams and the cars, you know, it's a much bigger carbon emission footprint um, than we've initially thought. And so, um, but I think Formula One misses opportunity to utilize the reverse gear. I think Formula One cars should go just as fast backwards or maybe, yeah, just as fast backwards as they would be going forwards. Now, imagine, right? Imagine the PR. These cars can pretty much beat any other circuit cars going reverse. I think that would have definitely, definitely um, turned some heads. Now, <laughs> now I don't know if uh, you would want to implement that on track. But yeah, I, I think uh, I think we missed a huge home run in that terms. Oh my God, Joy! <laughs> <laughs> well, for your first one, for the listeners, that goes that just goes to show how much Hot Wheels Joy had in his childhood. <laughs> he wants freaking cars to go upside down. Williams would wow. be terrified. <laughs> Williams would be terrified. <laughs> I, I'm sure they would. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I mean, that's interesting. Um, yeah, it's like turning literally Formula <laughs> One into Hot Wheels. If Hot you, Wheels. If you were to ever get that proposed. <laughs> now, the second thing, the reverse gear. Oh, my. I can imagine. I can imagine Lewis or somebody going 200 plus kilometers an hour in reverse. <laughs> Could you imagine? Well, I, I mean, then it I would can't be... imagine it. But what I can't imagine is the talent that they're gonna and the training that they're gonna have to take because there's no rear view mirror. There is no rear view, but in but the car. Imagine it would be a front wheel, pretty much a front wheel drive Formula One car. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but especially if you can't yeah. see. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, this is Bernie Ecclestone's ideas. Oh, well, not his ideas, but like this is the Bernie Ecclestone segment. I think we we missed a home run. Um, Imagine being Formula uh, Formula One is the leading technology for reverse gear. Maybe a single run, <laughs> not a home run. 
And so, yeah. Uh, what, what were your ideas for uh, these Bernie Ecclestone? Okay, so my uh, Bernie Ecclestone ideas are, uh, I guess, a little bit more um, technical. Okay. Rather than cosmetic, uh, which is what your approach was, right. Joy. Right. But um, I can imagine uh, Formula One uh, being all-wheel drive. Ooh. So a four-wheel drive racing car. Imagine, because like you look at Toyota out in WEC, and you, you can just everyone talks about mechanical grip. Everyone gets a hard on for grip, right? So why why don't we in the future have a I don't know a one thousand eleven hundred horsepower car? Fully electric, all-wheel drive. Yeah, that's a that, that's that's an interesting thought. I mean, uh, yeah, the downforce on on top of that, it's like <laughs> you're literally gonna be. It's like you're racing slot cars. You're never gonna really go off unless you're a complete idiot. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know. That's that's my first uh, idea. My second idea. Maybe is, I don't know if this would improve safety or make safety worse, but removing the center pillar from the halo. It would literally be a halo on top of cars, up on top of drivers' heads then. I mean, because there's something unattractive about having a freaking pillar <laughs> where your nose bridge would be, Right. Right. I, I and, guess. Yeah. I mean, I I understand it's gonna actually maybe block any kind of flying object coming at you. But not every flying uh, object. Not every flying object, but right. the likelihood of you getting hit in the head with something will be lower because of the the bar, the upper across bar, and the center pillar. But you know, I'm sure these guys want to be able to see <laughs> what's in their center. So why not remove the center pillar and maybe replace it with a windscreen, like an IndyCar? Ah. Yeah. I don't know, Joy. What's your What's your take on the all-wheel drive, uh, Formula One yeah. car and this the I don't know, the non. I guess, center pillarless, <laughs> fighter jet-looking, Red Bull X twenty ten. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, monocoque. Yeah, I think uh I don't know. Um maybe it's like a European thing that um they think that um rear wheel drive is is a little bit more sporty. I don't know. Uh that's kind of just the the assumption that I get, but um also like that four wheel drive like only belongs in like rally cars but I, I like that idea you know four-wheel drive i think then it'll make formula one a little bit more unique um i will say this i think it was brabham uh early, early back then uh, early back then early in the years of formula one like in the 70s uh, yeah <laughs> i think it was in the 60s or 70s that uh, I, I believe it was brabham that um, actually put four wheels in the back of um, towards the back axle, rear axle of the car, made it, which made it a four-wheel drive car. Uh, now, of course, they banned it, but yeah, it, it, that's an interesting take, you know. Um, 
because pretty much the the cars that we compare Formula One to are the LMP ones, and the Toyota LMP one you could say is pr pretty much the fastest um, LMP one car to date, and they are four wheel drive with four more uh, four motors, right? Four motors that um, power each wheel. So yeah, uh, I think that'll be that'll be very interesting. However, I, I do think that. Um, Formula One and its organizers are very keen to keep it at the rear wheel. <laughs> so, so yeah, that, that's interesting. And, um, yeah, I think we've also spoke about um, how I think the future of Formula One uh, in terms of safety is not a halo or um, a combination of a halo or a, or a canopy, but just a canopy, like a canopy that pretty much resembles a jet fighter. Um, that's where I think Formula One is headed to. I think, you know, if they could put it on jets, why not put it in, in a Formula One car? And so, so yeah, uh, I mean, those are great, interesting ideas, you know, and these are, these are topics that absolutely, you know, took months of discussions, even in the Formula One, uh, fan base. And so, so yeah, yeah, those, those interesting points. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, again, uh, for our listeners, the likelihood of either one of these happening is relatively low. Relatively low. At least as of today. But hey, it doesn't hurt to dream. Right. And we encourage you to leave your thoughts on what you think would be an interesting addition or useful addition to F1. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, yeah, let's uh let's let's get a little bit more serious now, right? Like um let's go to the Formula 1 news now. This news isn't really you know breaking news. It's been here for a while. We just pretty much we were kind of waiting for any details. Um it might have come up, that might have come up. Um but Formula 1 is adding Saudi Arabia to the calendar next season. And um there are some mixed um, reactions toward the race, um, you know, uh, and so, yeah, your thoughts real quick, Wes. Well, it came to me as a surprise, right? Um, you know, because the Formula One calendar is already pretty long as it is. Uh, and looking back on it, it's kind of interesting because uh, as they add in Saudi Arabia, they drop Vietnam right. for next year. And a little bit more on the new calendar um, shortly. But uh, especially with the backlash that it's been getting from the general public uh, with um, human rights and whatnot, uh, I mean, the Saudi government believes that this is the kind of thing that will get Saudi on the map to be in the good graces of the people. But I doubt that. I really do. Right. I mean, what, what makes you think that uh, cars that are capable of going 300 kilometers an hour around your city, one of your main cities, um, it's going to change the overall perception of what your um, goons or bad people have been uh, historically known to do. Um, and, of course, you know, you can also apply that to places like Bahrain, Abu Dhabi, uh, Russia, China. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, I understand there's money to be made. But 
at the same time, your your message of we race as one is a little bit compromised. So a part of me is, a part of me feels like it's kind of cool to see a different country on a, on the calendar, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know, it kind of doesn't really make all that much sense. Yeah. Especially with how strict uh, the rules there are, the culture is, as well as the human rights um, controversies that go with uh, that country. Right, right. And so, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, you know, from, from based on what we know, the only thing, the only details that we do know is that it's going to be the second to last race in the upcoming season. Um, and so that's pretty much like in terms of details what we know we don't even know how the track looks we don't even know pretty much where it's going to be located um i think it's going to be in the center of uh pretty much it's pretty much going to be in the center of like the metropolitan area of saudi arabia right um but yeah uh, i definitely agree i it it really infuriates me when formula one adds a new race to the calendar i've always thought that 20 to 21 is okay um you know like thank god that i mean i'm not saying thank god but like you know we did drop vietnam right and so because formula one needs to start thinking about not only just the drivers but the the employees the 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 mechanics that work in formula one because these are these mechanics they only have like three months of break in between season to mm. probably just spend time with their family and and when formula one talks about adding you know having at least 25 or 24 races into the calendar that's then to me that that kind of rubs like that rubs me the wrong way because um uh like in the beginning of the show i thought we were gonna lose interlagos we were gonna lose brazil you know, a, a track that's perfectly fine that we never really um, complained about. And then you're going to add uh, a track in in Abu, in Abu uh, Saudi Arabia, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I, I never really I never really understood why Formula One wanted to always wanted to add more tracks to the calendar. I thought 20 to 21 is is great. But not only that, you pick, you pick a location, you pick a, a country that is pretty much, that has a history of, of violating human rights, you know. Um, now, I'm not saying that all the countries in Formula One are perfect, you know, the, just the way that they are. But, like, it, it's, it's a hot, it's a hot location, you know, especially especially with all the with all the money that's flowing in Saudi Arabia it it doesn't really it doesn't really seem like formula 1 is there to bring great message a great message to to all the the spectators about human rights it it, it kind of seems as though it come across as though money talks louder right like like they're just chasing money and uh, you know, I've always heard that like Formula One is chasing a Saudi Arabia race because it is pretty much it is a very rich country. It has a lot of money, 
but you know if you're gonna do this um what do you call it uh a couple days ago they announced that the w series is now going to be a part of the formula formula one family or the formula family and i hope right like because they haven't released the the calendar for the w series i mm-hmm. hope that the w series goes to abu dhabi right because then you can't announce the w series you know joining formula and saudi arabia joining formula but not racing in in these countries that really do violate the the human rights, um, any human rights, and, and so and you mean uh, also addition or to add to that male dominated societies, right? Absolutely, and so uh, I think I think it would be worth it just to it would be worth going to Saudi Arabia if you put um, the W series uh, calendar, you know, in Saudi Arabia, so. So, yeah, I, I uh, think those yeah, are I, just uh, my thoughts. Sure, you know, that's a really interesting uh, point. And, you know, I, I I think that's a really compelling argument that you make by adding the W Series right. um, to those parts of the F1 calendar. And, you know, big ups to Formula One for uh, allowing W Series to be a feature right, right. Uh, for their um, sport. And uh, with that being said, uh, the calendar, the calendar. The calendar. Man. Uh, a, a lot of racing, yeah. a lot of time away from home. Yep, absolutely. And so, do you? Yeah. Do you think that this would be sustainable long term? Um, I do think so. Uh, I think the way that the calendar is right now, right? We have twenty-two, right? Twenty-two, twenty-three races next calendar um i think i think that's okay um especially when formula one is pushing a little bit more towards like a triple headers now of course i'm i'm saying that but then um you know it's very exhaust exhausting for a lot of the the employees that work for these teams uh triple headers are definitely ones that um that formula one shouldn't target um but yeah that I think, like I said, you know, like I said, 20 to 21, I thought was a perfect amount of racing, but also a perfect amount for the engineers. Um, not a perfect amount, but a good amount for the engineers to even just have time off the track. Uh, and so, so yeah, especially for the smaller teams, you know, these, you know, teams like Mercedes, they could have um, 300 or 400 people on holiday when these smaller teams like Williams or Haas, um, they can't afford to do that because then that would pretty much mean giving up the championship, giving up the, the all the hard work that they've done off season. And so, so yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think I think this is they're gonna try to make it sustainable, but hopefully, um, well, with the new budget cap. I think we're seems we're like we have lost more. joy. Um, but what I do want to talk about with you, the listener, while, uh, Joy is, uh, finding his way back, uh, with us is, uh, what do you all think about the new calendar? Cause personally, I think it's too much. I think at some point the calendar will go back to the 2021 20, races that 
um, they already have. Because like Joy was mentioning, it is, it is a lot of time, not only for the drivers, but also the employees and the mechanics. You know, they have lives, they have families. Um, I forgot who it was that um, said this, but this person said, oh, you know, people are going to lose their marriages because of the expanded calendar. And of course, you know, while that's somewhat perhaps a joke uh, from whoever said that, when you think about it in a really, really detailed sense, that could be the harsh reality for everyone. And I don't know. Yeah, so, sorry, I I went off tangent a little bit, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, you know, uh, like I said, pretty much a new addition to the new calendar for uh, the upcoming season is it seems as though we are going to get a, a Saudi Arabia race uh, and it will be the penultimate. Um, it will be the penultimate round of the championship, which is that's not bad because uh, then, you know, they're back to back Abu Dhabi or yeah, Abu Dhabi and and Saudi Arabia are pretty much uh, neighboring states um, or neighboring countries. So not a lot of travel going through there. So so, yeah. Was there any more that you need to, that you wanted to add? Uh, well, overall, I'm just not a big fan of the calendar okay. um, expanding. And also for us, the viewers, yeah, it might, for some of us, it might be great. But for a lot of us, it's just like, all right, well, it's starting to overlap with whatever sport I want to follow at this point in time. Yeah. But, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta give things a chance. And, you know, I'm willing, at least I'm going to sit here and say that I'm willing to take on uh, an expanded race calendar yeah. at least for next season <laughs> i mean i only say that uh 20 to 21 is usually good enough because usually around maybe it's only because i don't like the track but it's usually around abu dhabi where i'm kind of like um the last race of the of the season where i'm kind of exhausted i'm kind of like ah, uh, i just you know i just wish the, the season was over but that's probably me more being more critical of the track than sure else. and so that's, yeah that's totally fair <laughs> yeah and no so... that's totally fair and on that note um let's talk about another business metric joy yeah something in the form of 30 million u.s dollars hey. and for those that don't know what i'm talking about um it is that formula one is looking to introduce a salary cap for its drivers right at 30 million dollars so for for you all at home, think about how you would split thirty million dollars over two guys or two people. Are you going to oh, is it, split it even? Is it per team? I didn't know that. No, it, it's per team. Ah, uh, okay. Wow. Um, hmm. Yeah. Are you going to split it even? Are you going to give one more than the other, or are you going to overpay one and pay some kind of I don't know penalty that causes you to lose out on production money? I don't know, but my take on it is that we should have a strict salary cap in Formula One. And that is because I see it from a lens of coming from team sports. So you see that in the NBA, uh, the NFL, and the NHL, they have a salary cap. They are able to have a team, whether it's good or bad, 
on a certain allocation of cash. And, you know, I feel that even in general, it, 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 can, it can be argued that athletes make too much. Uh, you know, like $60 million or whatever, for example, uh, for let's say someone like Lewis, right? It's like, are you going to be able to spend your whole lifetime with that? And are you going to be able to take that with you into the afterlife? Chances are for the second question, the answer is no. But, um, and also for us, the common man, the common person, $15 million, $30 million, whatever million dollars, that is a lot of money. So if you ask me, it's a team sport. We need to be not only mindful of ourselves, but also the likely the livelihood of our employers, in this case, the teams, and do whatever it takes to uh, give them as much as they need to give them the best product for us to work with. And of course, if you don't like it, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> but um, Joy, what are your thoughts on the salary cap for Formula One? I, I was um, initially, okay, initially I thought that it was just a salary cap for each driver. Um, I didn't really know that it was going to be per team. Um, and so it, it kind of surprised me because um, if it was going to be just per driver, it, it surprised me because then there, there was only three drivers really that were paying north or just right at $30 million. Um, and that's Sebastian Vettel and um hamilton and ricardo and so for me it was a little bit more of a surprise because um you know i I didn't really think a lot of drivers even hope to reach that amount of money in their um salaries and so now i think now that i think it is going to be a little bit more per team uh is going to be more uh, per team based i think I get it. Like it, it makes sense. I, I understand why Formula One wanted to mandate um, a rule, or you know, pre- um, pretty much introduce this rule, because we are gonna introduce a, a budget per team, and so. But yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, I'm not really sure uh, how I feel about this. I, I would probably need to research a little bit more. I, I just don't feel comfortable speaking about like. Um, something that i'm not really sure of especially when it comes to people's salary um i do think that i'm probably you know against you west that um i do think that drivers you know they do have a lot of media exposure um they do they do a lot of interviews um a lot of these drivers sometimes don't have don't really get the life that they need that they want or the privacy that they want and so you know, even just uttering someone's name uh, in the form of, you know, pretty much just to start a conversation. You know, um, I'm not saying that that alone grants them, you know, massive salaries, but these are pretty much huge names in our sport. And so, you know, like a Schumacher, a Hamilton, a Vettel, these are huge names. And of course, they're going to ask for a lot more money than than what other drivers are, are receiving. And so, yeah, uh, I definitely don't 
I, yeah, I'm not really sure what to think about this. Uh, I think salary is very, it's very, it's a touchy subject, especially for, for in sports, right? Well, sure, uh, but of course, you know, also looking at it from a management lens, it's you don't want to be a one idiot that overpays somebody, hey. right? We, especially in America, there are franchises, GMs that are willing to pay damn near their life savings account for this one player only for them to underperform for the how many and you know let's say they sign this person to a five-year deal and they they're just in poor form right most of those five years and they're everyone I mean, then just looks at them it's like oh yeah. that's the dumbest signing you've ever done i, I will say this and, um i had uh economics teacher um and yeah uh he i had an economics teacher who pretty much said and this surprised me that um he said that lebron james where he sits right now in his salary he believes that lebron james is underpaid because he does uh, I, I don't know what he kind of um how he kind of got into this to this position but he says you know like when you whenever you bring up lebron james you bring up the nba you know, you bring up conversations of, of, you know, who the greatest is of all time. And LeBron James, you know, you could say might be a little bit bigger than the NBA, right? I think he's done so much for his community. And just even just the name LeBron James might be more recognizable than the NBA. And so it surprised me when he said that. And so, I mean... That's probably where I'm going to lean towards when I research a little bit more about the about the salary cap. Well, that is an interesting take um, by your professor, Joy. And, right. um, you know, actually, I guess before we move on, I will say that I think LeBron is actually fine. Where he's at. <laughs> okay. But uh, anyway, you know, this again, back to uh, back to the Formula One talk. Um and our takes on the salary cap. I guess we can revisit this right. uh, later when they actually enforce it. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but our next uh, news topic here: team principal of Williams testing positive for COVID nineteen. Right. Scary, scary stuff. Um, right. Especially for a team that has gone through a lot this season. Right. They they definitely need all the members at their garage right now. For sure, and um, I believe uh, two other—I don't know their, their names off the top of my head—but two, I guess, employees in commands, yeah. yeah, of Williams will be splitting the team principal duties, and you know, best of luck to them. Right, right. And that is a reminder to everyone listening that hey, this disease is real. Right. Doesn't right. matter what you what you think politically or from a health philosophy standpoint, but you know. Wash your hands. Take some vitamin C, D, and zinc. Um, social distance. And most importantly, wear a mask. And yeah, I and just again. wanna yeah, I just wanna yeah. I just wanna you know uh, congratulate or like maybe praise F one because they are, you know, pretty much taking this um, on a whole nother level, right? Um, because they pretty much made sure because the the test was i think it was inconclusive 
uh, the mm-hmm. first test for the the Williams um, uh, principal acting principal. Um, mm-hmm. So they pretty much made sure that he he had another test and that he wasn't going to spread it when they do arrive in Turkey. And so, yeah, it, it seems as though the system is working, right? The, um, the systems that they have for making sure that everyone is safe, that everyone uh, is accounted for. And so, yeah, this is a very dangerous virus. And so we for- we want to make sure that, you know, that everyone is safe, especially, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're, we're racing for fun, but, you know, these are, these are people's lives that, um, that are being affected. For sure. Um, and you know, we, we wish Simon Roberts well, um, speedy recovery. We would uh, love to see him back on the pit wall, uh, for the rest of the season. Um, and uh, he's been to me doing a pretty uh, decent job as, uh, the interim team principal for uh, Team Williams. Right. So, um, yeah. And uh, speaking of another team principal, Mattia Benato will not be at the Turkish Grand Prix, um, citing that he wants to uh, help uh, develop the 2021 engine and is uh, needed at the factory for Ferrari. Uh, so what does this mean? Uh, what does this mean in your eyes, Joy? Oh, I'm sorry, Wes. Uh, yeah, did you say something? You kind of cut off. Oh, well, I said um, Mattia Benato not showing up for this race. What yeah, do you think yeah. this means? Um, no, I mean, yeah, I just want to say this um, before we move on. But, like, uh, Mattia Benato, we've, I think they've spoken about Mattia Benato not showing up for the Turkish Grand Prix um, two weeks ago. So... Um, I do think that this is based on performance. Um, they're probably getting ready for um, next season. I don't think any of the the upgrades are gonna be coming up. You know, um, any major upgrades are gonna come this season in for Ferrari. So, you know, it, it's much needed. I think they need him in, back into the factories, um, and so. Yeah, uh, I think I think they need to focus on next season to make sure that they they maybe just get uh, P three into the championships, right? Uh, they need to pretty much reestablish themselves as Ferrari, right? This is still the red team. That's pretty much this is still Ferrari. This is still the prancing horse, and so you know I, I think he's probably taking extra precautionary steps. And a lot in making sure that um, that they don't look anywhere close to their performance this year as they would be next season. Next season. For sure. Um, and for me, I mean, this just means that um, if you really are serious about 2021, you better show results. There, there's not much else for me to, to say on that. Okay. Okay. And, um, yeah, I mean, for Ferrari in general, I hope that they can meet or even exceed expectations for, for this week. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's really what Matias' absence means to me. And, um, yeah, but anyway, here's to a good Turkish Grand Prix weekend, and um, we're hoping uh, that uh, 
the return it does not disappoint absolutely absolutely and so yeah uh now let's move on to um the section of the podcast where we cover boxing and so uh wes what can you please take us through uh devin haney's win over gamboa absolutely so devin haney won a unanimous decision over yoriarkis gamboa last uh weekend uh saturday uh at uh i believe it was the hard rock in hollywood florida a uh, real interesting setup it's literally like a concert hall uh not to be funny but devin haney almost tripped over a ringside ad and his ring walk so figure i talk about that a little bit but in terms of the actual fight it felt like uh devin haney was wanting to fight a very sound very technical from the outside approach against gamboa and gamboa really wanted to go in there and exchange unfortunately that didn't happen and you know devin haney very good defense very good uh movement and very good counter punching all throughout the fight he controlled the fight uh to the casual fan you might say oh devin haney's fight was boring but if you're a fan of technical boxing very defensive boxing and uh you know the notion of you won't if you don't move your head your, your opponent will move it for you that's what devin haney did with yuri Arcus gamboa and yes you know fully understand that gamboa is an ageless wonder but he's at the point in his career where he's not uh worthy of a title contender so you know good on devin for uh defending his title and I feel like there's a lot of uh, big names out there for him to sue next. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, pretty much, who do you think he he should pursue next? Uh, I would say someone that still has a establishment in the sport. Okay. So, um, maybe a... I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, maybe a, uh, someone like, why not Vasily Lomachenko, right? Okay, yeah. Or, or why not a Tiafimo Lopez? Tiafimo uh, seems to be the, the most popular one. Leo Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz as well. Um, yeah, I mean, he needs to fight more names. <laughs> and I understand that he has a major world title. Yeah. Um, uh- and you know, in the WBC lightweight belt, right? And, uh, you know, he needs to be able to defend that world championship against credible names. And unfortunately, he is not on the good side of marketing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Even though he really has a big confidence about himself and he promotes himself, he's not really tied to a big... Um, promotion per se I mean he's on the zone but outside of that he says that he tries to promote himself (laughs) but he needs to fight established names first beat them right and maybe eventually uh, he will uh, he will fight Ryan Garcia and um, you know we we have kind of had this this discussion before where it seems as though they are kind of building up Devin Haney and Ryan Garcia and that division um, to have a showdown um, later on in the future. Now, I mean, we we also shared our thoughts on 
the upcoming fights for Ryan Garcia. But uh, I do agree that I think Devin Haney should pretty much fight guys that pretty much made their names already in that um, in that weight division, right? Um, it seems as though the, the popular fight now is going to be him versus Teofimo Lopez. Now, um, I'm not sure if boxing is ready to unify all those titles together, right? Uh, because I'm pretty sure it'll be just a title fight. Now, um, regarding uh, Lomachenko fighting Devin Haney, I think I think uh, Devin Haney would be smart not to fight Lomachenko right now. Um, I do think it, Lomachenko is still very dangerous. And if they are trying to build Devin Haney versus Orion Garcia in the future, I definitely don't think that fighting Lomachenko right now is a, is a, it would, you know, build. I, I actually think Lomachenko could probably win against Devin Haney. But, uh, yeah, um, another name that pops up um, is Javante Davis. Um, but now, like, you know that's 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 probably going to be a, a little bit more of a stretch um so yeah probably that i would i would like to see devin haney fight jorge linares or oh, maybe, sure. or maybe even luke campbell after the ryan garcia fight um but yeah we'll see we'll we'll definitely see sure um i could also argue that richard kami or javier fortuna would be good for him too right right uh anybody in that top 10 really <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, but yeah, you know, we're not saying yeah, that uh, we're not saying that Yuriokis Gamboa is a slouch, but you know, not not at, not at all. Um, but yeah, we we do definitely. I mean, he's wanna... passed it, right? Right. He, he's passed it. There's no really other way to explain that. Right. Right. But yeah. um, you know, again, for what it's worth, props to Devin Haney for taking on sticking a fight. to his game plan and yeah, taking on a fight, especially um, especially when. You know, he's trying to build up his marketability as a fighter. All right. And so, yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, So we could uh, we could now move on to Luis, Luis Ortiz, Luis Ortiz. So they call him. And so, yeah, uh, Luis Ortiz um, got a knockout victory pretty much in the first 15 seconds of the fight um, in the first round. Yeah. it wasn't really shocking to me. I thought he would just pretty much, I think he could just take him out in the first round or, um, I thought it was going to be a knockout, but I didn't think it was going to be the first round. Uh, it's weird though, because, um, it wasn't a clean punch. It was, he actually, Luis Ortiz actually hit his opponent in, um, in the forearm. Uh, hold on. Uh, but yeah, uh, but the interesting thing came after the fight. Right, uh, where he called out, um, yeah, he called out Andy Ruiz, and I think that'll be a good fight. Um, I think Andy Ruiz has proven himself to be a great fighter. He has definitely a fast, fast hands. I think he has the fastest hands in the heavyweight division. Um, his combination punching is is incredible. Um, you know, and I think for I think it'll be a good fight to watch between uh, Luis Ortiz who has a uh, one punch knockout 
power versus Andy Ruiz, um, who does um, have one-punch knockout power, but he is more of a volume puncher. And, um, you know, he's he's a counter. He's a, he's a, he's a good uh, counter puncher as well. So I think that will be an interesting fight. Oh, for sure. Um, now, I will say, uh, I, the opponent for uh, Luis Ortiz, uh, from what I read earlier in this, uh, this week, from, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you said Suarez? No, uh, Alexander Flores. Flores, okay. Yes. Um, got a little staticky over the, the waves. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I was reading on, uh, I think it was Bad Left Hook, uh, that he's being investigated for how he went down in that fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, the commission, um, I'm not sure what state uh, was hosting that fight. Uh, if you can give that to me, Joy, that'd be great. Uh, but, um, yeah, they're investigating and w- holding his fight purse because they feel that he may have had some kind of, I don't know, let's just say for lack of a better term, political issue with uh, going down and acting hurt by getting hit in the forearm. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't want to, yeah, uh, thank you so much for bringing that up. Um, you know, but there is still an investigation going on. Um, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, you know, say that he he definitely went down on purpose. But I mean, this is an incredible forearm. Um, he pretty much learned from Jack Dempsey, if if that's the case. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for bringing that up. Uh, he no, is absolutely. Yeah, there is still an ongoing investigation for um, for Alexander Flores, um, but because if you were to look at the fight then it does seem to be fixed but again you know king kong is trying to reclaim his name um after losing to deontay wilder twice in a fight where he pretty much dominated every single round um and so you know you know boxing is is political you know um we've seen that in the past and this might be another uh, representation of it. I don't want it to be, but you know, th- these are the kind of things that hurt boxing, that kill boxing, and and yeah, um, hopefully it, that's not the case. For sure, but yes, I, I think. But from a matchup standpoint, too, I do think Andrew Ruiz uh, versus Luis Ortiz would be a very good fight. Right, right. And um, you know, will will any one of those guys? get to meet the kings at a heavyweight division that is yet to be known for now you know props to luis ortiz for getting it done all right absolutely and so yeah uh i, I mean i've been also been uh vocal about a possible andrew ruiz versus deontay wilder fight i think the styles that these two have are great for one another another but um if i get luis ortiz versus um versus Andrew Ruiz. I'm 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 very happy with that. I'm you know, and so I'm very excited for that fight. For sure. And so yeah, uh we could move on to the upcoming fight this tomorrow. Uh it is Terence Crawford versus Kel Brook. This is going to be interesting, right? We haven't seen Kel Brook uh in a while. Um Terence Crawford. 
for that matter. Right, right. Terrence Crawford as well. And so, yeah, who do you think? Um, who do you think will win? Any predictions from you? I say Bud in eight, and for our listeners, Bud is Terrence Crawford. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, was there any um, any deciding factor that you think that uh, Bud w- might? Well, I mean, for me, it's going to be the ultimate test for both guys, right? right? Because we haven't seen him in a long time. But, you know, to me, uh, as good as uh, Special K is, um, he doesn't pose too big of a threat for Terrence Bud Crawford. And Crawford is a really, really smart fighter for for more than what people give him credit for. Right, right. Um, And I feel like at some point, maybe around the midway point, or even a little earlier, uh, Bud will figure him out and probably take over and try and go for the kill in eight. Right, right. And yeah, uh, I think um, I think I will agree with you in this one. Um, now, I am kind of, I do have a kind of a, a bad feeling about this one. I think, um, I do think Kell Brook has something that, he might use against Terrence Crawford, right? He's now he's lost against Errol Spence Jr. and um, Errol Spence is a, a fantastic boxer, but I do think he's not as good as uh, Bud. But but yeah, like um, I don't know. I just have this kind of gut feeling, you know, when you think that there's gonna uh, there's a fight that's just not gonna go well. Um, sure. I had this kind of feeling with uh, Lomachenko and Teofimo where. It's not going to be as people expected because I expected Lomachenko to win, to have like at least a majority decision, but obviously that didn't go as planned. And so, I don't know. Is 2020 the year of upsets? I guess that's what what it comes down to for me. Like, is this going to be an upset for Kelvin? Hey, it's possible. It's It's possible. possible. It's a very valid reasoning and you know i'm afraid for him too especially since uh and by him i mean terrence crawford because terrence crawford carries a major title into the wbo title right and he is outside of tyson fury uh he is uh bob arum's pride and joy right now so that would be a shot to the gut literally right right uh if, if bud does not come out on top in this match absolutely absolutely yeah i completely agree and and yeah, you know, um, there's not much uh, difference between them. You know, there's only like a, a one inch difference in height. Um, I'm not really sure about the reach. Um, I actually think Terrence Crawford has a slight longer reach than uh, than Kell Brook. But you know, we've seen Kell Brook fight, and he he's more like he he will get inside if he if he needs to. Um Crawford is a little bit more technical. You know, he can use southpaw stance, he can use orthodox. Um but yeah, um that all that can be negated if you have a terrific game plan. Uh just like Teofimo. Absolutely. Cool. And so yeah, um also another fight that was announced. Um I'm not sure was it announced uh West the the Canelo Alvarez versus Callum Smith, or it seems as though it's likely to be Callum as Smith. As far as I'm concerned, they are uh, all but signed. Okay, cool, uh, cool. Canelo cool. Alvarez and Callum Smith. Okay, and yeah, maybe you could um, speak of that, about this one. Um, 
Because yeah, um, have so, you ever seen? Um, have you? Uh, we've witnessed uh, Canelo fight many times, but uh, I for one have never seen Calum Smith uh, fight. So yeah. Well, uh, it's still in the talking stage, uh, and um, of course Canelo has been in the airwaves lately in boxing because he has recently uh, gotten a successful release from his uh, promotion for with the Zone and. Right. Um, golden boy promotions and yes i haven't seen too much of callum smith it's also kind of hard right when your uh following is across the pond in the uk and uh match room is uh not really that big of a presence here right yet so um but yeah that's the rumor going on right now uh and they feel that this fight could take place in either at&t stadium in dallas or Alamo Dome in San Antonio, uh, uh, Texas. Okay, so it's definitely not going to be in Wembley. No, no, okay. no, no. And, uh, well, for December, it's going to be too cold. <laughs> <laughs> I but, guess uh, uh, I guess also you could argue that Callum isn't that big of a name just yet to sure. hold a Wembley Stadium uh, fight. Sure. And, of course, you know, like the other names linked to fighting Canelo were like Caleb Plant Caleb and... Plant. Um, Kale Plant, I know of, um, but Callum Smith is. Uh, I need to do a little bit more research on Callum. Um, but yeah, I just know that he is a gold medalist and a silver medalist, but that's pretty much uh, what I know of him. But yeah, that's the that's what's going on right now. Um, of course, there are also talks that the Zone might be willing to carry this fight just as a one-off. Right. Um, uh, but other than that, that's where we're at with uh, Canelo versus Callum Smith. Um, and it, it's supposed to take place in December. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. And so, yeah, uh, then we could move on to pretty much the, I would say, the biggest star in the heavyweight division, right? Tyson Fury. Um, but yeah, uh, so his upcoming fight, right? Yes. So Tyson Fury has a upcoming fight. Um, I've, I let me get his name real quick. I don't want to butcher it. Agit Caballo. There you go. <laughs> Agit Caballo. Uh, it is confirmed that it will be on the fifth of December, but um, it is still for for a while. It wasn't confirmed who it was going to be against. Yes, and like you said, Joy, that fight is going to be taking place on December fifth. Right. Um, which is actually good from a TV standpoint because uh, right. I, Ryan Garcia was supposed to be December 5th, right. uh, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But, um, yeah, no, uh, Tyson Fury is going to be fighting Agate Caballo. Uh, of course, uh, I'm sure the people wanted a rematch with Deontay Wilder but that or a seems... mega series with Anthony Joshua. But, unfortunately, that's falling through, and uh, Joshua already has signed a commitment to fight uh, Kubrat uh, Pulev. Uh, the following week, so a lot, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of political drama there. Right, right. Uh, so yeah, but um, so far uh, it's looking good for on the Fury camp. Um, of course, uh, I think it's too early to make a prediction, but um, it's good to see that the uh, I guess the top two dogs right now in the heavyweight division have matches, and ironically, they're back to back. They're back to back, right? And so um, you know, the, the, it's been. It's been an interesting uh, conversation that a lot of people are saying that uh, the Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder rematch, the third, 
um, fight might not ever happen. Um, and that's that's a shame. Uh, I do think it will still happen. You know, I, I think there's an animosity between these two competitors. And so, um, so yeah, maybe right after these two fights. Now, you know, would you classify these two fights that these two great champions are currently going up against? Do you think that it's a little bit more of a tune-up, would you say, for both of them? I think, uh, given how the year has been, I think it's a tune-up for everyone. For everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because it's, I mean, you know, because it, it's a bit of a layoff for, for both right. Uh, champions. Right, right. Um, we have yet to see how they're going to do after this um, long time off um, right. from fighting. But I would say be cautious. Right, right. Because... Especially with yeah. uh, Kabayel, because uh, they they always say, or at least Rocky said, uh, the one without the without anything to lose is the most dangerous. Right, and so um, and I think that's more true for Kabayel than it is Kubrat Pulev. Right, and so I don't know um, if you remember this fight, but um, right after um, Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury, the first fight, um, Tyson Fury fought Otto. Otto Wallen or Otto Whalen? Wallen, yes, Wallen. I remember. Yeah. I watched um, that. Yes, it was supposed to be a tune-up fight, right? It was supposed to be a fight where that prepared Tyson Fury. Um, now it was a unanimous decision, but I actually thought that he should, you know, at least knock him out. Um, but no, uh, Otto Wallen actually just you know stood in front of him, took took his shots, and so. Um, I didn't expect that fight to go to distance, yet it did. And so maybe, maybe a get just needs just needs a little bit more. Um, he just needs to the fight to go to distance, right? And so, like I said, this might be the year where um, upsets are handed out. And so, yeah. for sure. And I think watching matches with you earlier in uh, in life uh, i think if there's one thing we can notice is that sometimes not respecting others power can go a long way absolutely absolutely so maybe maybe that's the game plan who knows but anyway yeah uh fury caballo december 5th right um so mark your calendars fans absolutely and so uh deontay wilder was there any more that you need did you want to add from deontay uh I guess a little bit more of a human response here, but I think the man's going a little crazy. I think, I think he is obsessed. I think he, he, he really needs to step into the ring to kind of, you know, release some of those, that anger. You know, um, for sure. I, I, I would love to see him back in the ring too. Now, why not fight someone like Andy Ruiz? Andy Ruiz or, or. Right. Derek Chisora, Dillian White. Dillian White, um, right. No, I mean, Dillian, Dillian White, I think, has a... They had postponed um, him and Povetkin. Oh, that's right, because uh, Povetkin, you know, got hurt or right, something right. like that. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, what, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's the level that he should be looking to scout against. Right. So, like, right. a Derek Chisora, Dillian White, a... Uh, um, Hergovich. Hergovich was on the undercard of the Haney fight. Right, right. Um, yeah, someone like that. Uh, of course, <laughs> you know, before he can think about 
getting a rematch with Fury or even there to try and challenge Anthony Joshua. Right. 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 Or even Charles Martin. He could he can try and fight Charles Martin, assuming he's still active, uh, fellow American heavyweight too. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. From the suit to the gloves, <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, Deontay, I, I don't know you, man, but try. I don't know. I mean, I love. I understand the loyalty there, but try giving Freddie Roach a call. <laughs> just saying. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> Mayweather is willing to train uh, train him for. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or or yeah, the the Mayweather family. Right. So and so yeah, I mean. Yeah, and I hope he does uh, step into the ring soon because, um, you know, uh, he was great for boxing. Um, it was never a done, it was never a finished fight until you, until the last bell rang, right? Absolutely. Um, like, yeah, he, he could be down on the scorecard and still find a way to win. Right. It's, you know, case in point, him versus Luis Ortiz. So. Oh, for sure. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, let's move on to... Um, uh, Luke Campbell and Ryan Garcia, right? Um, but yes. more so Luke Campbell. Um, you have the news on Luke. Yes, Luke Campbell tested positive, and they are looking to move that fight from December 5th to December 19th. So yeah. three big fights back-to-back in December. Right. So you got Fury on the 5th, Anthony Joshua on the 12th, and King Rai, or Ryan G, as I call him, on uh, the 19th. All right. Um, again, you know, for Luke Campbell and his camp, we wish them a speedy recovery. Um, we hope that it's, uh, something that doesn't fully overcome and compromise them going into uh, this fight. Cause it is a big fight for both, for both men. Right. You know, they they got, they got followings. They got pride. <laughs> they want to be great. They definitely got followings, and especially they, for they Ryan can't, They cannot, they cannot find that greatness without one another in my personal opinion and i think it's going to be a great matchup again i think it's a little too early to call on a prediction um i haven't seen enough of luke campbell or ryan garcia for that matter okay um and of course you know that they're young fighters too so uh i'm just happy i'm just happy that ryan garcia took the fight to um to luke oh for sure 100 so so absolutely that's that's a competitor right that's that's that competitor spirit and uh, yeah, so you know, again, for now, speedy recovery, and once uh, all that is all squared away, we can start making predictions. But um, yeah, tough news coming from uh, the Campbell camp and the uh, the Zone camp, if yeah, you will. Absolutely. And so, um, what do you call it? I mean, I was able to watch Luke Campbell's two fights uh, with Linares and um, Lomachenko, and this is why I. Le- I'm so excited to watch Ryan Garcia versus um, Luke Campbell is because Luke Campbell is battle-tested. He has fought some of the best of the best in that division. And that is my biggest question for Ryan Garcia is that can he fight one of the best in the division and against a battle-tested guy? Now, um, do I think that this is going to be a close fight? I think so. I hope so. I hope Ryan Garcia uh, does get tested. I'm not saying that I hope Ryan Garcia loses, um, you know, but uh, I do think that it'll do him a lot more favors when he does fight toe to toe with a guy that that has been through wars already. And so, if if Ryan Garcia wins, you know, it'll just keep it'll just skyrocket, you know, his stock, right, and probably make a claim. 
to go up against one of the the champions in that division. And so that's why I'm I'm, I'm a little bit more excited about this one. Now, um, what do you think about kind of um, the mental, I guess, kind of like, uh, hmm, how, how does this affect them mentally, right? Because we were set for a December 5th. Now they're pushing it to a December 19th, you said? Right, Wes? Yeah, I said yes. Oh, okay, yeah. So, um, and so yeah, uh, with that, right, like, how does that, how does that affect you mentally? Because, I mean, I know for one, when I have something scheduled on a certain day, on a certain time, only to find out that, like, it's been pushed. Now you have a couple more weeks of training, um, I understand, like, um, usually boxers will rest one week before the fight to kind of just, you know, then it's just more about, like, padding work. Um, you know, now you're just giving more time in the in the practice, right? So, I don't know. Uh, do you think that might affect either one of them? Probably more Luke Campbell than right. Brian Garcia. Okay. Uh, but, you know, we again, uh, that's all speculation. We have uh, we have yet to see um, what further details come out of that positive test. Right. Um, you know, what if it's also a false positive? We're not sure. So, okay. but either way, that's what it's looking like right now. And, uh, yeah, uh, I think uh, that's really it the, from what I can report on that matter with um, – Luke Campbell and Ryan Garcia. Okay. 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 And so, yeah, let's uh, move on to pretty much the very last topic of uh, boxing. Uh, I think this is probably one of the most interesting ones. The exhibition fight um, coming up between Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones. Now, I will give you my prediction on this fight. Um, A lot of people uh, say that this is going to be... A knockout for Mike Tyson. I urge everyone to um, do the research. When's the last time Mike Tyson fought a real fight? Um, and when's the last time Roy Jones fought a real fight? And that was in, back in 2018. Mike Tyson, I believe his last fight was in 2006, if I'm not mistaken. That's a long sounds time. Sounds about right. That sounds, that's a long time to be off the off the ring um and it's funny because mike tyson um was interviewed recently about um his incredible workout um video that he posted uh, on social media and funny enough you know he he admitted that right after that workout he actually couldn't move for like a couple weeks and that just um i just want to remind people that these guys aren't you know <laughs> on their prime like uh, a lot of people are arguing on social media saying that oh you know mike tyson still generates a lot of power and he still has incredible head movement and that roy jones is still athletic you know roy jones's athleticism uh will win the fight and like 
I'm just I'm just surprised because I'm like, wait, which which Roy Jones, which which Mike Tyson are you talking about? Are you talking about the Roy Jones that pretty much took boxing by storm in his prime, or and the Mike Tyson that was a knockout artist in his prime? Like we gotta we gotta keep in mind here that these guys are not are far away from their uh, far away from their prime, and so <laughs> I think it's funny. I think it's funny when when people say, oh. <laughs> Roy Jones's athleticism will overcome uh, Mike Tyson's, you know, power punching. But uh, <laughs> okay, whatever's left there, uh, I guess. Personal opinion: don't don't bet your money <laughs> on Roy Jones' athleticism <laughs> or that pivot foot and head movement of Mike Tyson. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a, it's obviously going to be for fun. Right? I understand. Uh, actually, when I was listening to uh, the Adam Carolla show today, right, um, I was following up with the yesterday's episode. Um, he was talking with uh, Showtime broadcaster Jim Gray, and uh, he was talking about how, uh, yeah, like Tyson, um, yeah, like we we don't know how. <laughs> Tyson is going to do like granted. Yeah. He worked, both guys worked very hard right, right. to, to yeah, get to this point. Absolutely. And you know, Tyson has been on record saying that if he does do well in this fight, he'll be willing to give Evander Holyfield that rematch. Some, <laughs> what? 20 odd years later. Uh, <laughs> so, mean, you know, yeah, what? Yeah. for me, I'm, I'm just going to watch it in a objective lens Right. You know, unfortunately, I've never had the pleasure of watching either one. Either one, one either right. Uh, I right. did. I did see a, a Roy Jones fight, but uh, it was um, it was a 2018 fight. Um, oh, I see. Yeah. So it was it was against uh, he he was overseas in Europe. Um, I didn't even I don't even remember the guy's name. That's how. Yeah, he's been pretty much fighting low tier fighters. Uh, I will say. Okay, the, but the still, you know. Yeah. I would say for those watching, I would I would watch with with a very objective lens. Right. Like, uh, yeah. But I, if, I, if there's going to be any subjectivity here, a part of me wants to wants Mike Tyson to pull it out. Okay. 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 That, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, how how maybe on points? But <laughs> on points, it's only gonna, it's eight rounds. Right. Right. I'd be. So, I think we'd be lucky just to get three rounds of action between these two you never know it might be it might be that one of those fights where it's like they go 200 miles an hour from round one to round four and then oh my five, god six, seven, that eight, would they be just mellow out that'd be incredible the 50 is a new 30 then hey i mean look 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 floyd mayweather jr at 40 something knocked a what 19 20 something year old japanese kid literally into oblivion <laughs> Right, I guess, but and, wasn't you know, he like thirty another, pounds heavier? There, well, okay, fine, but I'm just saying okay. it can be it can be done. And then, you know, there is a 42, 43 year old legend from Southern Philippines who who arguably could be better than uh, Errol Spence or Terence Crawford. Still, right, right, and so I mean, yeah. Um, It'll be interesting. Um, uh, like I said, to to all our viewers, these these guys are not in their prime, so you can't take into account how they've won re- past fights 
and apply it to this fight, right? There's a reason why there's only eight rounds. There's a reason why they're calling it an exhibition. Like, these guys, I think they also understand that um, their best is not there anymore. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, but I think it'll be an interesting fight, right? Um, me, and, me and my brother Jordan were, um, we had a discussion where it's it's interesting how these um, legendary fighters are coming out of retirement to fight each other once again, um, which which is strange. It's strange to see in in boxing. Um, I never would have thought that Mike Tyson was gonna enter a ring again, um, you know. But uh, I do I do think that uh, the fight will not last. So these are my predictions. I'm just gonna say it because I I, I don't think there's I I, I don't want to wait because <laughs> um, I, I don't think I'm gonna change my mind. Um, I think uh, I, I don't think it's gonna last eight rounds. Um, I don't think it's gonna be because of a knockout. I think it's just gonna be a towel thrown, um, probably because of exhaustion. Um, you know, like like I said, uh, I'm very skeptical of this fight. Um, I think it's gonna be fun to watch, but Mike Tyson, you know, if he doesn't if he doesn't um, if he doesn't get off in the first couple rounds. Uh, he doesn't really do well later on and that's from when he was still in his prime right like that was the thing about Mike Tyson was that if you can't finish uh if he can't finish you off in the first three rounds you could pretty much gas him um and so yeah uh we'll see we'll <laughs> we'll definitely see uh I do think Roy Jones is gonna win this fight um two years off is better than an entire decade off of boxing so yeah i'll pick roy jones i think he's he's a little bit more fit i think he he'll probably be able to see the the punches coming a little bit more faster but uh yeah okay um <laughs> all right so we got a, we got a split there um and you want to remind me what you had for uh crawford and special k Oh yeah, uh, yikes! I think it's gonna be Crawford, uh, but uh, I do, like I said, I, I do have that kind of gut feeling where um, there might be an upset in our hands. Um, you know, Special K is a pretty good boxer. He's a talented boxer. He's he's fought some of the best. He's been with the best. Um, He's also tasted punches from Golovkin, but he's also been outboxed by by Errol Spence. So, so yeah, um, I'll probably give it to Bud. In what in what in what fashion? Probably unanimous. Okay, that's fair. Okay, so we got. Uh, for our two fights uh, coming up in November, uh, we got from me, uh, Terrence Bud Crawford in eight against Kell Brook, Mike Tyson on points over Roy Jones, and Joy has it, uh, Bud on unanimous decision on points, and Roy Jones Jr. Uh, you said uh, you said knockout. Roy Jones, uh, I say fight stoppage. Fight stoppage. Fight stoppage uh, for, for Mike. Practically. I think Mike will I think Mike will, will will see. We'll see where he's at. Maybe in round three or four. 
Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> well, there you go. There you have it, hey, uh, fellow second episode. One fans and boxing fans. Um, that is the show. Do we have any final thoughts, Joy? Uh, can't wait. Can't wait for this uh, weekend. Um, Special K, Bud, and then um, the race this weekend. It's gonna. It looks interesting. Um, you know, like I said, not everyone has data um, or complete data that case and so usually when that happens uh we're in for a really good race so for sure um as a first timer uh watching a race at istanbul park i am really interested to see what goes on right um especially at turn eight (laughs) uh and not to mention that is a very nice looking paddock probably the nicest looking paddock on the grid right uh and uh, for the boxing matches you know with Terrence Crawford, it's going to be a loaded Saturday. Uh, but uh, with that being said, once again, thank you for your support and listening to our podcast. For Joy, thank this is so Wes. Thank you so much. We will be back so, next week. Yes, we will be back next week. And, yes, thank you for listening. This is the Wes and Joy Show, and keep it on track. <laughs> <laughs>